0: I grew up watching these movies. When I was a kid, you know, four years old, five years old, I was a little half-Asian kid growing up in Ohio, and I was made fun of a lot. And to watch these amazing movies about giant monsters, and I already had the love of dinosaurs and animals and nature, that were made by other Asian people, meant the world to me. You know, because um, other than that, it was cowboys and cops and robbers and just your typical um, TV shows and movies growing up. And Godzilla sort of provided this weird security blanket uh, because he was so strong, he was so powerful. But besides the fact that it was entertaining and fun, I was keenly aware, even at that young age, that there was a message underneath all of it. And I heard that. And that meant a lot. Uh, you know, in the same way that "Star Wars is really a movie about spirituality, if you dissect it, Godzilla had this like oddly subversive message to it) <music>
1: to horror movie podcast where we're dead serious about horror movies this is a bi-weekly show that's released every other monday and this is episode 176 this episode of horror movie podcast is brought to you by our movie podcast network patrons and by shutter the netflix for horror you can try Shudder free for 30 days just go to Shudder.com and use the promo code hmp when signing up On Horror Movie Podcasts, you get in-depth horror movie reviews for classics and new releases, with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. This is Gilman Joel Robertson, and my co-hosts are...
2: Dave, Dr. Shock Becker from just outside Philadelphia, PA.
3: And Wolfman Josh...
1: So on this episode of Horror Movie Podcast, it's a Kaiju-themed episode where we will talk about past Kaiju films from the Godzilla series and other Kaiju films that have impacted this beloved subgenre. We will also be doing a feature review of the new release, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. In addition to all of this, we are going to do a feature review of The Host for our shutter sponsored screaming online segment and we will be bringing you another oldie but a goodie what's up for debate from the collector's crypt listener voicemails and feedback and oh so much more and as an extra special bonus for this kaiju centric episode we welcome Godzilla superfan and longtime HMP listener Andrew Sidlick aka Andred the Blind. Andred is a published PhD student and writer exploring disability and horror in literature, film, and music. He has presented his research internationally. And if you're not impressed by that, you will be by this next thing. He's even been a guest on Universal Monsters cast. All right. (laughs) All right, (laughs) you can find some of his writings on disability and horror at Jeff Hammer's Horror Audio Network, which we'll link to in the show notes. Welcome, Andred. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. It's an
3: honor. Very excited to have you on the show. And especially under kind of short notice here, we have to thank Dark Mark for pointing out that you would be the ideal guest for such an episode. So thanks, Dark Mark, uh, for the tip there. This is definitely not, I don't want to speak for you guys, but for myself, this is not one of my areas of expertise. I do consider myself a Godzilla fan, but I'm not well versed in in the world of Godzilla in terms of my kind of more academic knowledge on it. So I'm glad to have someone here who's at least seen the majority, if not all of the Godzilla films. Is that correct, Andrew?
4: Yeah, I've seen all of them multiple times, except for the latest anime films that I think the the latest one uh, I've only seen once, but I've seen them all at least. That's, once.
3: There you go. Excellent. So my experience with Godzilla is mostly watching them on Saturday mornings on television and enjoying them, but not really knowing the difference between which films I was watching or or anything like that. I you know I think I became more aware of Godzilla as I started you know looking into kaiju movies more specifically as an adult, but. Um, still i don't i don't consider myself an expert by any means
2: what about you dave I'm in the same boat as josh I, I I enjoyed the movies when I was a kid uh but like him, I couldn't tell you if I watched the same movie ten times or if I watched ten different movies i I would just you know i liked <laughs> watching the monsters and and it was it was always just a lot of fun uh, although I will say when I was five and six years old, my two favorite shows were Johnny Sock and his flying robot, and Ultraman.
1: Very nice. Which
2: both used to play on channel 48. I used to love it, and I, I'm one of my one of my earliest memories. Actually, is with Ultraman, watching that, and it was an episode. Mild spoiler for one of the Ultraman series. I know there have been several.
1: <laughs> yeah, please don't.
2: Um, where Ultraman died. I'm pretty <sighs> sure I was five or six. I started to cry, and I ran into my bedroom. And jumped on my bed and just buried my head in my pillow because I was embarrassed that I was crying from a TV show. TV had never made me cry at that point, but when Ultraman died, that that did it for me. I had to I had to get out. I had to get out of there before anybody saw me, and I just buried my head in my pillow and started to cry. Partially, I'm guessing because I thought there'd be no more Ultraman
1: so, so, <laughs> for me to watch. So, so Dave, just, um, just to clarify, just to clarify, you said yep. 25 or 26 when this occurred. Yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just want to make. Oh, you said five or six. Sorry, my bad. Five. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that it was, makes it was a
2: little back more back sense. That's- in, <laughs> I, I've got to be around 1975 s- somewhere in that like area. That?
1: Yeah. Very cool. Yeah my uh, my kids love Ultraman as well. They uh, they watch yeah. the original series. They have them on on disc and they, they watch them on uh, on the Amazon. So they uh, they enjoy that. Uh, and I will say that for me, it's interesting because I believe at some point in One of the comments of one of the episodes, I recall Josh putting something about me being somewhat of the resident expert, and immediately I could feel the bus slamming over top of me, (laughs) because (laughs) I uh, am not, actually. I am, by default way more knowledgeable about Godzilla than I ever was as a kid or young horror fan because my kids, especially my oldest, Max, has been nuts for Godzilla since he was about five. He was a massive dinosaur fan, still is. And uh, actually, I just so you know, Josh, I did record with all three of my kids their review of Godzilla King of the Monsters. So if you so nice. choose to use it, he goes into a bit of his own story of how he got into Godzilla. So I'll save it for that. But he nice. is a massive fan. He's got collectibles and action figures. Uh, uh, Andrew, to your point, he's seen all three of the animated uh, films and he, he liked them. He, I think he liked them, but I, I don't know that they were qu- quite his favorite, uh, but he, he's seen, I don't know that he's seen all of them, but he's working on it. I mean, he is a fan and he'll constantly correct me when I, I mispronounce or <laughs> I say the wrong, I feel, I feel like such the old man when i will be like, you know, uh, uh that's about that monster's name. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's anger. <laughs> is it? Is it anger? I, how do you, how do you, and then immediately he's like, no dad. So I, uh, but he is a, a huge buff. I, Feel like with Godzilla, I always, I'm one of those people, I appreciate things that other people are super into and the fandom without always being into it myself. So I was always appreciative of the fact that Godzilla graced the number one issue of Fangoria in 1979. Now, at the time, at the time, the magazine was working on, I think they were trying to find their identity. They hadn't locked into being a horror specific uh, book at that point so i think that they they worked it as time went on very shortly thereafter they went full bore horror but at the time they were leaning with some science fiction ends to it so i think that may have been part of the thought process but it's an iconic image in fact i used to have the number one issue and i don't know if it's through moves or whatever i don't anymore so i'm gonna have to keep hunting ebay and pray that somebody tries to put up there not for hundreds of dollars so (laughs) i i I've always had an appreciation. I remember whenever they would cover it in the magazines, I'd read about it, but I always felt out of the loop. Like, like I think what you were saying, Josh, I never quite got the mythos or how the things connected. And then, and I, like the movie that Giver came along and I was like, is this connected to Godzilla? I did. I didn't, I was completely clueless. I had no idea. Mm. So yeah. it really wasn't until my kids got into it that I feel like I have Uh, any knowledge of it that i could speak of like had it been had i not had kids and i had been in the same place i was throughout my 20s and in a good chunk of my early 30s i would have probably just paid a pass on this entire episode because i would have felt ashamed i've I've seen one that's it so uh, but since then i have seen several uh and i even have with me one of my kids books i'm going to cheat a little bit andrew i'm sure you don't need this but i've got the godzilla faq all that's left to know about the King of the Monsters by Brian Solomon. So I, I got got my homework here, got my my book in front of me. So if you need any uh, references, I forget nice. the forget that internet nonsense. I got the the paper <laughs> right. in
3: front of me. Nice. We're <laughs> gonna need that. Yes, for sure. I know we're not gonna be able to dig as deep as a lot of hardcore kaiju fans are gonna want sure. to. Right. Right. Uh, for this discussion, for one thing, just to let people know, and people are probably very aware that the last episode was very late in posting. And I just want to apologize for that here. I did apologize for it on the last episode and then I was editing as Joel actually pointed out, they're not going to hear this until it posts, So this is kind <laughs> of pointless. So that, uh, yeah, that's a good point. But, uh, so I guess in retrospect, just apologizing for that. I am traveling a lot in the month of may was just insanity. And so, um, Editing for the next two months is going to be more of a challenge than normal. Uh, we're not going anywhere. We're going to try to continue to put out uh, prompt episodes, but just I think we're going to keep them a little bit shorter during the summer months um, sure. for that reason. So this is not going to be a Godzilla franchise review, but kind of more like a franchise overview, and we'll talk through the different years of the Godzilla films and some other kaiju as we make our way toward... Godzilla, the king of the monsters. Uh, but this should be a pretty fun conversation. And I think at some point, I don't know if a full franchise review is in order, but I know that we are talking about doing the Monstersverse Verse films over on Universal Monsters cast. So we will be covering all of the legendary films in a franchise review form eventually on the Universal Monsters cast, probably when they get a couple more films into their series. But yeah, for this conversation, we'll just open with a general discussion about kaiju and how Godzilla came on the scene. So I just wanted to jump into the kaiju discussion a little bit as I understand. It, and again, not an expert, please correct me if I'm wrong, but as I understand it, King Kong is kind of the first kaiju movie. Um, the first kind of big monster movie that we're aware of and kaiju again as i understand it is the japanese word uh for strange creature Mm -hmm. and in you know as as we discuss it we're usually talking about big monster movies and that could be anywhere from cloverfield to the latest godzilla film and uh, there are of course a lot of japanese films um with a lot of big monsters that most american audiences are not even familiar with although i will say I think Legendary is going a long way to introduce those those creatures. And I was a little bit worried in 2014 Godzilla that we weren't going to get uh, the kind of full spectrum of those monsters. But I, but I was heartened in this outing that, oh, wow, yeah, they're really going there. They're going to get all of these monsters <laughs> in, yeah. into these films, which is exciting. But yeah, as I understand it, King Kong 1933 was kind of the big uh, first big monster movie that came along.
2: I think, I think it was. Yeah. I mean, there was, um, and again, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not an expert in this either, but the lost world came out in the twenties. It was a silent version of the lost world with the dinosaurs. And I don't know if that would fit into, into this realm, but King Kong is definitely the one that put it on the map, put it, you know, put it that way
3: yeah and that film was such a success as again as i understand it that that was what prompted them to uh, try to create something similar in japan and create their own kind of big monster now of course gojira is made in 1954 or at least released in 1954 and is heavily influenced by the bombings of hiroshima and nagasaki about a decade earlier in 1945 and um this idea of atomic power comes into play throughout the entire franchise. And of course the destruction of cities on large scale comes into play throughout the franchise. I think that's interesting that that is where they went for their monster. That is where they went for what is this thing that is specific to our culture. It's the complete destruction of our cities by this atomic force, which is very different from the American take right with King Kong, which is looking outward to this kind of exotic creature being brought, you know, from, from another land. Many people have, of course um, referenced um, the slave trade of Africans to the King Kong story. So it's just fascinating where we look to for our horror and how our specific cultural context informs the way we form these tales i don't have any hot take beyond that but i I thought it was interesting as i as i thought about that i
1: do want to interject real quick if people are hearing the birds of paradise i'm pretty confident they're coming from josh's end of things Uh, Oh, yeah. I
3: apologize.
1: (laughs) He is in Hawaii, people. I'm just going to say it. And so be jealous. And just like
3: I said, it's been a very hard couple of months. (laughs) (laughs) This is this is his
1: gift to himself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there were I, I, I would love to hear Andrew's take on this. But I also want to interject that according to my notes here there, in addition to Kong, you had prior to Godzilla, Son of Kong, which is sort of a quickie sequel to uh same
2: right. year yes came it. out the same they pushed it for the same year willis o'brien wanted to take his name off of it um <laughs> but yeah they were pushing that to come out the same year to to to, to capitalize i actually watched that in this string of movies nice. that the first king kong and this one again that's excellent but yes son of kong came out the same year as the first king kong so
1: that also could be maybe looked at as the first uh, potential alan smithy
2: Production. Yeah, is that a, it could okay, have been. Yeah, okay. They wouldn't let. They wouldn't let him. They wouldn't let him take his name okay. off the movie. But it could have been. Yeah.
1: So and then we had Mighty Joe Young, which came out in '49. So that was also a a sort of yep. pre Godzilla, and then the same year as Godzilla. And this is, of course, is another subgenre that has a giant creature aspect to it, which is, of course, all of the atomic sci fi. Uh, movies like Them, which came out in 54, which is, of course, Giant Ants. Uh, and then It Came yeah. From Beneath the Sea was in 55. So that's a Harryhausen thing. That's so you know, Harryhausen, they, yeah, they yeah. were working on that more than likely, I would assume, uh, w- even when Godzilla came out. So I don't think that that yeah. necessarily was the result because I, I think at some point in uh, the history of these movies, we'll start to see the influence of even Godzilla on a lot of these uh, American productions as well, but... At that point, I think we're still in a bit of a, a zone where uh, they're they're somewhat standing on their own. But
3: and you also just have to think about and th- this new film, which we'll get into, really plays upon the mythologies of of ancient cultures. But you have to really look at Greek mythology; is probably the first time where we see humans battling giant monsters. You know, in at least that I'm aware of, within popular culture, <laughs> as it were.
1: I'd like to kick it over to uh, Andrew and get your take on it.
4: Well, I was just going to say, I was, I was looking it up to make sure, but there's also the Beast from 50,000 Fathoms that I believe came out a year earlier in 53. Yeah, the B- is it Beast from 20,000? Okay, it's, it's the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, yeah. and it was 53. So I would think that one was a big influence as well. Yeah, and that was, that right. was a Ray Harryhausen, yes. I watched this recently actually for the first time and I did notice a lot of um, just kind of tone wise influences on Godzilla as well as one of Japan's other uh, famous monsters produced by a totally different studio, but Gamera Uh, there's in particular lighthouse scene where the, the, Rodeo source, whatever it's called, from uh, 20,000 Fathoms, knocks down a lighthouse, and you have a similar thing in Gamera. So um, the Japanese filmmakers were definitely influenced by these movies. What's interesting, though, is how, Wolfman, you were t- talking about the cultural sort of differences between Kong and Godzilla and You know, I think that is really interesting. Ishiro Honda, the director of the first Godzilla, Mm -hmm. fought in World War II and had a lot of, you know, after the war, he was very kind of traumatized by that experience and had a lot of social and political ideas that he brought to his films. And so there is a definite consciousness in those even in the American ones that are kind of um, you could read as anti-nuclear still have kind of this heroic aspect of it that you don't see in the Japanese movies where the military is always decimated. You know, there's it's, it's usually some weird science thing that saves the day. If if there is even uh, a human uh, savior at the end of the movie. So I, I think that really, you know, the the first Godzilla movies really brought this very unique perspective to the the the, the that subgenre that had really only started to emerge at that point. Uh, and I think even if we can get into this when we talk about the new movie, but even all the homages to the older Japanese movies that we see in the new movie, it still has a distinctly American flavor to it.
2: Interesting. Yeah. That's really, and, yeah, really great points. And the first Gojira, well, Gojira, I watched that again as, as well. And, and it just struck me again. I know I brought this up before, but how very dark that movie really is. I mean, it is, they are really hitting the whole nuclear aspect of that. I mean, you, you could see it. And It's just a very dark movie, uh, but excellent. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's one of the greats, I think.
4: Absolutely. And I would say probably of the entire 35 films, I believe it is now that have featured Godzilla, like that is really the only one that squarely falls within the horror genre. You know, there's not, there's not a, uh, uh, flash of humor in it. It's a very somber movie. There are other entries in the series, I would say, that have horror elements, but that one is probably the darkest of them all, I
2: would say. Definitely.
1: Now, do you guys want to discuss the fact that the Americanized version of that 54 film uh, starring Steve Martin?
4: Jerry mm. <laughs> Mason.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Steve Martin. I believe my when I first showed it to my kids that was the one that was available at the library again my son at the time was five I don't think I had seen Gojira at that point uh it was a couple years later that we finally got a hold of the actual Godzilla movie but we did watch that one and I remember there had always been a lot of bad mouthing of it certainly by a lot of Godzilla fans that I knew uh, as a movie and I think if you had it to compare to the original for sure. I mean, the the original is a far superior film in a lot of ways. However, uh, to a five-year-old and his old man who was very limited in his Godzilla knowledge, (laughs) you know, it was a good time. So um, I guess, Andrew, I I don't know if you'd like to maybe speak to the reasoning behind why they did what they did. I mean, I think some of it is is obvious with the times, uh, but I think just why they chose what they chose and What some of those differences were
4: so i mean the difference between the japanese original and the american king of the monsters that came out in 56 you know they insert this american character steve martin as you mentioned this reporter who is visiting japan for i don't even remember what the reason was but happens to be there when godzilla appears and so he's able to chronicle this and you know he's reporting it back to New York to his um, boss and everything. And they did that because they felt that they needed to have a character, an American character that audiences could relate to. Otherwise, it was going to be too hard for them to follow even if all the Japanese characters were dubbed and everything. They just felt like they weren't going to be able to relate to Japanese characters and keep in mind, this is only like 10 years after the end of world war two as well. You know, so I think that all kind of had to do with it and those all the, so all these scenes, you know, this character is not in the original. So these were all filmed separately where you just have him kind of intercut between the original scenes. He's just kind of going around and they do a few editing tricks to make it seem as if he is interacting with the character sometimes. But usually it's kind of like where he has this assistant that's going around with him and kind of explaining things that are going on that he's maybe not familiar with. So that's really the main difference as far as I know. I think they may have um, cut some of the footage out, like maybe some of the footage of the destroyed city. But other than those additions, I don't know that a whole lot was changed. I can't say I can speak wholeheartedly to all the the differences, but um, it was one of the ones that unlike the later films where – Um, the American versions did not only dub the voices, but really made some drastic edits, cut things out and kind of even changed the placement in some of the scenes uh, chronologically in the movie. I don't think they did that with the original one as much. Hmm. And, you know, I do like both versions. I would say the Japanese one is probably superior but I think both are fun depending on what kind of mood you're in, and for me, being legally blind, you know, this is the challenge for me with foreign films is that, you know, it's it's very difficult for me to read subtitles. I've done it with a number of the Godzilla movies just because I'm not much of a fan, <laughs> uh, and the, the Japanese versions are often so superior, but You know, I give myself a break and say, I'm just going to watch the dubbed version. I don't care, you know, so I'm not as (laughs) much of an elitist about it as some kaiju (laughs) fans are. Uh, The other thing I would say is to just keep in mind, as far as I know, uh, Dave or any of the other hosts might know this better than I do as far as cinema history goes, but I don't think that there were necessarily foreign movies being played in America, in the way that they are now, where you can go into almost any theater and see a foreign movie being shown. So I think it was kind of a big deal. And I'm not exactly sure how that even came about. So it'd be kind of interesting to look at that and see how common it was for foreign movies to be shown in the States by
5: that point.
2: I, I know that there were a lot in art houses, but I think this was more mainstream, you know, when they right. would bring the Godzilla movies over, um, and that's why they would do what they did to, to make it appeal to a mainstream audience. To your point, I mean, just real quick, uh, and I had posted this on Twitter, that up until a couple of days ago, I had only ever seen the Americanized version of Mothra, which I always liked. I thought, oh, it's a good movie. Uh, but then I found I had a disc that offered both the Japanese version and the American version as well. Let me watch the Japanese version. And it really is so superior. I mean, it 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 helped explain who some of the characters were. It it gave me and, and it, it showed what a good movie it is. I mean, and that's another one by Ishiro Honda. I, I really got to respect him a lot as I was watching the, these Japanese cuts of these films that I'd only ever seen the American cuts of. Just the way he was putting the movies together, the way he was telling the story, even when the monsters weren't there, I was into it. I wanted to know what was going to happen next uh, with the characters. And yeah, you got the one bad guy who's like he, all he needed was a mustache he could twirl because he, he's got that eyebrow thing going where you, he's like he's telegraphed as the as the villain from the first time you see him. But other than that, it was just a very well told story. And when Mothra got involved with it, it you know it 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 elevated it. It made it more exciting. And Mothra has never been one of my favorite of the kaiju's because I, I just don't know that he ranks up there with Godzilla and Rodan and Ghidorah and, and all the other ones. She did. I was about to say she, oh, it she. is a she. G. Well, you Name. know what? I don't know if they they <laughs> specifically said she back then. <laughs> Okay. now it's a she Dang, i don't know if it was there. a she yes. back then yeah um i didn't look i'll be honest um but i i really did enjoy the movie i enjoyed the movie immensely and it, i really do have a new respect for for Ishiro honda to, to to see his versions of these films i think you, you you come away thinking wow this guy could really this guy was a great filmmaker
1: According to Wikipedia, he was also a lifelong friend and collaborator
2: of Kurosawa. Well, that's interesting you mention that because one of the things I noticed as I was watching these films was that Takashi Shimura appeared. He, he was in uh, the original Gojira. He was in Mothra. He was in Rodan. He was in some of Ishiro Honda's other films. He was also in some of Kurosawa's greatest movies. He was the star of Seven Samurai. He played what would be the Yul Brenner character in The Magnificent Seven. He was the star of Seven Samurai. He was the star of Aikiru. And he had a role in Rashomon and a few of these other real classic films. So it's interesting that, that there was that relationship because... And, and Takashi Shimura appeared in hundreds of movies. But those are the ones he's remembered for, at least now for me, are these kaiju films of Ashiro Honda and the Kurosawa classics. And I thought that was really something that you have this actor... Who, you know, for for all this time, I'm thinking, wow, he's in all these great Akira Kurosawa movies. And he gave just as much to these films as he did to those. And I thought that was great. That is awesome.
1: Yeah, it is. Speaking of awesome, I want to throw out there that according to the Guinness Book of World Records, Godzilla is the longest running film franchise in history. I don't know if uh,
4: Um, that's that's amazing.
1: Yeah. Wow.
3: Yeah, That's awesome. It's got to be. I mean, what else has James been around Bond? Since- Not since James Bond, I was
1: the only one that came to mind that would be even closer. That was 1960. Yeah. So that's it's got six years on that.
3: i tell you what else surprised me in my research. For some reason, I was thinking that those you know, Jason and the Argonaut movies and Clash of the Titans, that those were same era. I guess just because I was young when I first saw those and haven't really revisited. But that <laughs> was like 20, 30, 40 years later, those movies were coming around and it's shocking and that... Well, first of all that Kong was so successful with stop motion animation, but it was mm-hmm. also really brilliant that they just said, you know what, that's hard. Let's bypass that with putting a guy in a suit and that, that was really pretty effective for the most part. You know, that, that yeah. is a style I mean you can tell, but it's also pretty crazy what they what they did with those suits.
2: They had the same actor playing. Uh, Andrew, you might know this better than me. I don't know how long he played, but didn't they have the same actor in the suit for the majority of the movies?
4: Yes. Uh, in the original like movies that came out in the 50s and 60s, I believe, Peru Nakajima, I think, yes. is his name, yeah. and he was in a bunch of them. And they had to be selective with who they got to play in these monsters in these suits, because these suits were enormously heavy, like hundreds of pounds. So, and they would lose like 50 pounds when they were working on these movies, just from all the sweat and everything. I mean, the, the suitmation is, is the term that is used to describe this particular kind of effect. And I mean, it was dangerous uh, for a lot of these actors. The suits would catch on fire when they were setting off explosives it really is interesting to look into the production history of these movies and what they were able to do on such small budgets, because um, the, these films were made by Toho, which was the premier studio uh, movie studio for Japan at the time, and, and may still be. But even though it was the major studio, I mean, Japan had nowhere near the amount of money for the entertainment industry that the U.S. did, obviously. So they still really had to work with some tight budgets, but what they were able to do, is cheesy as we can look back on them now and say, I mean, it really is amazing some of the stunts they pulled off. It is. And I would like to mention,
1: because I know that uh, Nakajima is a beloved figure in Godzilla lore, uh, I just real quick want to go down the, the list here that I have, at least according to Wikipedia. So he was obviously Godzilla. Uh, Godzilla raids again. Godzilla Rodan. He played Rodan. Uh, Varan or Varan. I don't know how you pronounce that. The unbelievable. He played the lead or the the, the title character. Uh, he was uh, and just so you know, uh, Dave, this will make you happy. He was at least from what I can see here in at least three major Kurosawa films. Because I see Seven Samurai, Hidden Fortress, and Yojimbo. Wow. He uh, was in Mothra. He portrayed the larval form of Mothra um Garath, i believe cow. is a is it a kaiju film it sounds familiar to me but maybe i'm thinking it's something else he it, it says he portrayed maguma i don't know if that's uh, king kong versus godzilla which of course i guess we're getting kind of a remake of that
6: <laughs> so, right
1: uh he uh, mothra versus godzilla he played godzilla uh ghidorah the three-headed monster he played godzilla again frankenstein conquers of the world he played baragon which is one of my son's favorite little side kaiju characters uh, invasion of Astro Monster, Godzilla. War of the Gargantuas, he was in. He played Gyra. Uh, Ibira, Horror of the Deep, Godzilla again. King Kong Escapes. Ah, here's a mix up. He played King Kong, Son of Godzilla. Wow. He portrayed Godzilla. <laughs> Destroy All Monsters, which has, uh, uh, isn't that the one that has everyone's beloved Minilla? Or is hey, that you pronounce it? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, Destroy All Monsters, he portrayed Godzilla and Baragon. Uh, let's see. All Monsters Attack. Portrayed Godzilla, uh, space amoeba. He portrayed various monster roles, Godzilla versus Hedora, Godzilla again, Godzilla versus Gigan, Godzilla again. So, wow, dude owned Godzilla.
2: And that goes into the seventies, doesn't it? That's the early seventies at that point.
1: Yes. It is. The last one, 1972 was Godzilla versus Gigan. Wow. See,
3: I was about to say King Kong ain't got nothing on me until <laughs> he was King Kong. <laughs> you said that he actually did portray King Kong. <laughs> yeah, 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 I guess, yeah, yeah. Uh, Doug Jones ain't got nothing on him. That's true. Exactly.
2: <laughs> that was the, what I was watching the other day. I think I sent you guys a couple screenshots of that. one. Well, yeah. he did a good job. He, yeah. he did a good job as Kong in that.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's impressive. Cause like what Andrew was saying, I, I, my son has told me a few things that he's read about him and just the, the endurance that that guy had to have to perform. Under those conditions, it's just, it's incredible.
3: I know that there were different eras in the Godzilla films in Toho. Do you know what the significance is of the differences in those eras?
4: I can speak to the era question. The Showa and the Heisei eras are named after the emperors of the time, I guess. And so the Showa is all the the early movies up through the 70s. The Heisei era started with godzilla it was just titled godzilla that came out in 1984 and those were the movies that went up through the 90s and then the the last era they call the millennium series which came out in the 2000s sorry my (coughs) i'm losing my voice here but um so those are the kind of three eras and now i don't know what era we would Consider it now. I guess it's a legendary era. (laughs) Yeah, legendary.
3: Yeah, except for we also have the Shin Godzilla, so that must be part of a new era for Toho, I would assume. I don't know.
4: Yeah, and then the the, the three animated films as well. Right, right. But I have not seen a name yet put to how to – because the the Shin – Godzilla movie is not related to those animated films, so I don't know what to call it.
3: There are 15 films here in the Showa era that I'm seeing from 1954 to 1975, and that's when we had the introduction of most of the other kaiju, most of the other uh, monsters that Godzilla goes up against was in that era. Um, The Heisei era, seven films were produced during that era. Then we had... um, the lovely uh, Tristar film, 1998. And then uh, the Millennium Era had six more films from 1999 to 2004. And then, yeah, Legendary Pictures had the next release in 2014. Again, I don't know if that includes the animated films at all. That's just simply uh, the live-action theatrical films I'm
2: referring to. And, and you could definitely tell the difference. I finally saw um, Godzilla in 1984 which was, uh, you know, a good movie. But then when you got into the millennium, there were like three movies in a row, and they were all kind of related. I think it was Godzilla against Mechagodzilla in 2002, Godzilla Tokyo SOS 2003, and Godzilla Final Wars 2004. And those movies, Godzilla Final Wars is like, is like everything's up to 11. It's like yes, there's it so is. much. I
1: watched that with my kid. That was great.
2: Crazy <laughs> movie. I mean, you got Kung Fu. You got um, the, the, these warriors who are going up against the Kaijus uh, and this race of aliens. It's just like and it's all over the place. It's over two hours, too, I think. Uh, but I did really enjoy Godzilla against Mechagodzilla and Godzilla Tokyo SOS, <laughs> uh, which are, you know, one's almost a direct sequel to the other. And I did enjoy those two films in, in the millennium, you know, and then this, when you get to this, you're getting different special effects and whatnot, obviously a little bit more advanced when you get into the, uh, the millennium series. But I did really, I did enjoy them. I, I, I did, uh, I liked these newer films more than I thought I would. Cause I love the classic ones. I love all of the classic, uh, Seriously, I even saw some I had never seen before, Invasion of Astro Monster. That's I got to see that and I loved it. I thought that could be one of my favorite uh kaiju films now.
4: Oh so, yeah, and that's the Monster Monster Zero. Is, yes. where, oh yeah. you know which you see referenced in the new film which you know made us kaiju nerds all you know, <laughs> just have a have a laugh at hearing that because that is that movie is really where the Godzilla series started to get very campy, where he mm-hmm. does his little dance. You know, if you, if you
2: I do remember. Yes, <laughs> yes, I, I remember. I remember the dance, and it was which one was it? Was it? It was in Ghidorah, where. Um, I think Godzilla laughs at Rodan and Rodan laughs at Godzilla when Martha is spraying them down with the, uh, with the thread. That was a <laughs> yeah. little different because Godzilla like sits down and he's pounding on his knee. He's laughing so hard. I thought that was an interesting <laughs> little addition to, uh, to that movie oh, as well.
1: Wow. I want to just jump in real quick and I know it gives me, yeah, no, yeah. it doesn't give me any real street cred, but as Dave was going through some, some of these, I feel like I was beyond remiss to mention that my dad took me to see Godzilla in 1985 in the theater. I actually remember Ooh. him taking me to see that. Yeah. Nice. And, and, you know,
3: as as you guys brought that up as well, I thought that's probably why this was so much on my radar. That film. Yes. Now that you, yes. well, it didn't occur to me until Dave was talking yes, about too. it. I, I completely forgot about it. That's yeah. probably the thing that brought Godzilla to my radar. And, and it wasn't the animated series or, something right around that era as well. There was, yes, a, there was in the a, late seventies, early eighties. I think
1: uh, my kids have yeah, watched it. It was, God, God, was it Godzuki, the little, uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> <Godzuki>. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: I, but yeah, 85. And then I remember seeing uh, Godzilla 2000 at a drive-in. I actually took my wife to it. <laughs> she stayed married to me too. It was great. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I have seen a couple of these in the theaters. I, again, it gives me no real street cred, but, uh, but yeah, it was as Dave was going through all those like, Oh yeah, I did see that in the theater. Duh. So,
3: Well, let me ask you this then. So if anyone who wants to would like to offer it up to Godzilla fans, yet novices like myself who enjoy the movies, but it's all kind of a blur. uh, What, like say three films would you recommend from the older films, the Japanese films to check out that are worth absolutely watching?
2: And these all three have Godzilla in them. You want ones that actually have Godzilla, know, dude, not like this. Be, it can, be, it can be any kaiju, yeah, any, okay. any kaiju
3: film. But I, but I do obviously. I'm, I'm just more familiar with Godzilla. But yeah, any, any great kaiju film out there that you think people should absolutely check out? Three to five, I guess, from that era.
2: Okay, and I and I'll, I, I'm interested to hear what Andrew has to say. I'll just throw mine out. And these are ones I've seen recently. I mean, the last three days, I I dove in. I saw 20 movies. Good God. Um, <laughs> Wow. Yeah, just just because <laughs> I was so I I wanted to see them. I had all these things on Blu-ray and DVD and I'm like, "Hey, this is a perfect opportunity. Let me break these things out." And and I got, you know, I, I enjoyed them. I got to see them. I would say obviously 1954 Godzilla. Um I'd say 61, you know, Mothra. Um Ghidorah the three-headed monster where you're going to get um Rodan, Godzilla and Mothra along with Ghidorah. And,
3: is that also kind of one of the
2: major influences for this new film, would you say? Or oh, not? yeah, I, I would think so, you know, because uh, they do establish Ghidorah um, in that film as, and it does carry over, I think, into the new film as well. You know, some of what they what they had set up. I'd say Invasion of Astro Monster in sixty five and I did enjoy destroy all monsters in nineteen sixty eight, but I am interested to see what Andrew would say as well. And that that takes you up to nineteen sixty eight.
4: Yeah, so we're talking about all the show era films up through the seventies. Yes. Okay. Well I would yeah, obviously the original Godzilla would be on there. <clears throat> Godzilla versus Mothra, I think, is one of my favorites. The original And that also has a very kind of dark tone to it. The human characters, the human villains are also very interesting in that. It has a very anti-capitalist sort of vibe to it. And um, the battle between Godzilla and Mothra is is also great. So that's one of my favorites. And I would also say I would go with uh, Invasion of Astro Monster or as it's also called Godzilla vs. Monster Zero because mm. that's, that's got Godzilla, Rodan, King Ghidorah in it. Got the aliens, the campy alien storyline. Right. <laughs> and I would also throw in there uh, one of the last, from one of the last few of the Showa era, uh, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla where we get mm. a little um, cameo from Anguirus, a much beloved underdog kaiju but Me- mecha godzilla is a extremely you know dangerous powerful villain and has appeared in probably almost as many films fighting godzilla as ghidorah has so it would be interesting Long. to see if legendary will end up doing a mecha godzilla film because i think that would be really cool to see
2: Nice. And that's one I didn't get a chance to see. So now I'm interested uh, to check that one out. I
1: I don't want to go into spoilers, and I know we aren't in the feature review for Godzilla King of the Monsters yet, but I will say I have heard rumblings from certain corners of Godzilla fans. Again, the handful that I know, not just my son, but a couple of uh, other adult age ones that are theorizing Not just children. Not just not just my children. (laughs) uh, They are theorizing that perhaps the next, as soon as the next film, the Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus Kong, whatever they're going to call it, uh, we may see some sort of mecha type creature. But I don't want to say exactly what because you know spoilers and all that. But yeah, just saying.
3: That's interesting. Yeah, I've heard I've heard some rumblings also about Kong versus. Godzilla, and I'm really curious to see if things go the way that the rumors are going with that. But well, I don't want to limit you, Andrew, uh, to the show era, are there films that really stand out from the Heisei or Millennium era that you think are must-see films for the novice, for the noob?
4: Yeah, I mean, so when I was mentioning before the original Godzilla being kind of the only one in the series I would consider straight-up horror... The other one I would say that comes close to that is actually from the Millennium Era. And uh, it's often referred to as an abbreviation, GMK, Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, All Monsters Attack. It's a very long actual title. Um, Hmm. But it came out, I think, in 2001, 2002. And it uh, put Godzilla back as the villain. Because all through the Heisei era and the later Showa era, you know, he had been more or less kind of either a hero or at least anti hero, where he was fighting off these other monsters, even if he was, it wasn't like he was the protector all the time, but he was at least defeating these other monsters. In uh, GMK, he is a villain and depicted as this very evil creature. And it's one of the, it's the only that I know of. Movie where Geter is actually a heroic monster fighting Godzilla, um, teaming up with um, Mothra and Baragon to def- to to fight him. So, and that one is I you know also has a very um, politically kind of socially conscious informed tone to it, much like the original one, which had kind of gotten lost through all these kind of action movie sequels that we got so that that one i would definitely check out if you haven't seen any of those later films
2: and i and i'll concur that was one of the ones i did watch and that is a a, a very good one that's that's could be could be my favorite one from the millennium uh error that i've seen so far that's, that, that And you're right, it, it did strike me that, that King Ghidorah is almost like the most benevolent of the um, the kaijus in that film, whereas in the early one he was the, the most vicious and the most, uh, the, the most evil. Uh, I thought that was an interesting little switch there.
1: All right, so I think that has been an excellent overview, and uh, Andrew, thank you for all of that insight, and Dave, of course, who completely and utterly impresses the hell out of me every single time
2: <laughs> 20 and yeah, dave are we going to get 20 mini reviews at the end of this episode i'm actually
1: expecting that no, at this point
2: i don't i know i i went in this was just to sort of broaden my horizon because i was uh, as i said at the beginning i'm not an expert in this so i really and i have a lot of these movies as i have a lot of movies but i have a lot of these movies and i said here's a perfect opportunity to um to to watch them here's is the perfect opportunity so i just broke them out and just did it in chronological order boom one after the other just so i felt i was going into this episode at least somewhat prepared i hear you
1: well i think you (laughs) and i think andrew as i'm sure josh does because if it had been just josh and myself i think this would have been an extraordinarily short and uh (laughs) non-informative episode (laughs) All right, so that is our overview of the Godzilla series and some other kaiju-related goodness. And uh, now we're going to go into a voicemail, one of a couple that we have received from HMP listeners. And uh, let's go ahead and hear this one. This one is from Bill Van Vagel.
7: Hi, guys. This is Bill Van Vagel. I'm calling about the Godzilla HMP episode. And I love this topic because perhaps my earliest horror experiences were either with Frankenstein or Godzilla, because living outside of Toronto, we used to get WUTV in Buffalo, and every Saturday afternoon, there would always be inevitably one of the Godzilla movies. And I remember uh, it very clearly, and you saw all kinds of them, the colorized and the black and white, so uh, it has a special place in my heart. And also, my daughter, Ella, who's three and a half years old, uh, I recently rewatched the film, the 1954 original. I have the Criterion Collection version. And uh, as she was sitting beside me with my laptop on, she kept looking over and saying, Daddy, why is there that dinosaur breathing fire? And much to my pleasure, she didn't look away, and she actually wants to watch it more and more to this day. Every once in a while, she'll ask for, Daddy, can we see that dinosaur that breathes fire? I just get a smile inside of me. Anyway, that's my uh, Godzilla experience. Hope you guys have a great episode, and I look forward to talking to you guys again. Later, boys. Bye-bye.
1: All right. Thank you, Bill. Yes, thank that's you. Awesome. That's, gr- that's great. I enjoy hearing stories like that, and I can relate having my my young ones get involved with the big G from an early age. It's It's fun. It's kind of cool to see your kids becoming little horror genre fans at at an early age. I think that that's a great thing about Godzilla too, is it's a great uh, gateway horror drug for, I think for kids and the younger ones sort of their older brother was so into it. They didn't really have a choice, (laughs) but as (laughs) luckily they all seem to be pretty big kaiju fans as well. (laughs) That's great. All right. So with that, do you guys, uh, you're ready to maybe do a feature review of a certain Godzilla King of the Monsters 2019? Like, yeah. Yep. All right, let's do it.
4: What we are witnessing here is the return
0: of Titans. How many of these things are there? 17 and counting. Ah! Which of these titans are here to protect us?
4: And which of these titans are here to threaten us?
7: Our planet will perish. And so will we.
0: Unless we set Godzilla free.
1: Oh yeah, sure. Let's bring him in for a beer.
8: No, this time we join the fight. Run. this world we just live in it
2: damn right
4: so godzilla king of the monsters involves the government group monarch trying to track down various kaiju and at the beginning of the film We see them with a giant egg that ends up becoming Mothra. And when Mothra escapes, a series of events leads to a couple of the Monarch people getting abducted. And from there, Godzilla appears. We find out that there is a group of Echo terrorists who are trying to release all of the Titans... The the giant monsters in this movie are called Titans, and this group is trying to release them all to kind of reset the planet, reset the imbalance that humans have caused to the environment. And the only way of restoring balance to this seems to be Godzilla. And so Godzilla ends up fighting the monsters that have been released as a result of this terrorist group and throughout the film we see the the human characters also trying to um, recover. Well, why I, I guess one thing too i don't know how much we want to give away but one of the interesting things about the movie too is that there is a lot more interaction between humans and the titans than we typically see in these movies because they've developed a device that has essentially allowed them to sort of mimic the, the sound waves that they produce. And so this allows them to um, interact with them and in a sense, almost kind of control them.
3: Yeah, I thought it was interesting that device is called the Orca. And I thought that was interesting. I was just thinking about the origin of Gojira is a combination of... The Japanese words for whale and gorilla, and I thought that that was interesting because you know gorilla obviously with King Kong, and then whale um, being this underwater you know kind of aquatic qu- creature that Godzilla is. I, th- I thought that was interesting that they went with orca there. I don't know if that's it's in any way related or if it's a Jaws reference. Mm-hmm. I don't know what. <laughs> I
4: don't know what. I'm sure it was a purposeful <laughs> reference. I mean, Michael Doherty seems to the director. Seems to really be a kaiju super fan, and I've heard that there are so many Easter eggs in this movie that I didn't even catch. Um, that he just was, you know, gleefully sprinkling through there. So that's, I think, one of the fun things about this movie for someone who is very versed in in kaiju lore is to be able to to see how many of these illusions you'll be able to pick out. Yeah, even with someone with
3: a more passing familiarity with the films, you really notice a lot of these Easter eggs, and it's but it's done so seamlessly. They're not like big like stop and wink moments, um, although they may feel like them. I guess if you are a level of fan that Andrew is, but they really feel like they are naturally part of the. They feel organic, I guess, to to the film, which I thought was really cool. Do
1: you feel like as a Godzilla movie, it's it works, and I know that there was a definite disconnect. Let's just say, between critical consensus for this movie and the audience. Now, I know the tomato meter is not always the best thing to go by, although supposedly, because I know that when I went on there, they surely had a lot of pop up saying, "Hey, new and improved. We fixed the audience score, so a bunch of trolls can't screw with movies anymore." Um, Supposedly. So keeping that in mind, I think it's interesting to note that as it stands now, this movie has a 39% critic score with 267 reviews in and an audience score with 14,206 ratings or reviews in at 85%.
3: Which is a lot of reviews for
1: both. Yeah, well, yeah, it is. But <laughs> totally. I'm just saying that it is such a disparity between. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting if you look at IMDb's ratings that this actually Compared to Skull Island uh, and the 2014 Godzilla at the moment has the highest average. It's 6.8 out of 10, uh, whereas I believe Godzilla 2014 is 6.4 and Skull Island is a 6.6. So I
3: think I if I could answer this first, I think I enjoy Skull Island the best of these films so far just because I like the approach they took to the Mm -hmm. storytelling, making it a period piece and all of that, but I think that film has a lot more problems than this movie does for me. I think this is kind of objectively the best of the films that Legendary has made, in my opinion. Um, I do think that it Is not fantastic filmmaking just from like the basic story structure, dialogue, all of those elements that a a film critic might be looking at first. Because I think it really cheats when it's trying to get to its emotional beats. I don't think most of those are earned. You know, there are really weird um, choices in terms of plot. You have to have seen the other films from Legendary to really appreciate this to its full extent, and and based on what Andrew said, probably seen a lot more Godzilla films to really get what it's doing. So I think those are all problems that a critic might point out, but I would say, just as a film viewer, I, although I really enjoyed the 2014 film, I think this was a huge improvement um, from the 2014 film, and I think a really good outing for a modern Godzilla film. I think this is doing... Now, I think Shin Godzilla was amazing, I love that movie, but I think for just kind of modern sensibilities and American audiences, this movie I think is working about as well as you could hope for a Godzilla movie. Did I buy all of the emotional moments and did I feel those feelings along with those characters? Not really at all but i was feeling the feelings watching the monsters battle <laughs> mm-hmm. and i thought that was amazing right. yeah
2: <laughs> right and i and i'm there with you uh, as well josh i think that it's very basic sort of storytelling a little bit uh, you could predict a, a few things that happen uh, especially as it gets a little bit later in the film uh, at least you know i could see a couple things coming and it's like it 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 serves its purpose without going above and beyond I think that that section of it but when it comes to the actual with with the monsters I thought it was phenomenal and I and I loved what they did um, as far as you know getting into the explanations and uh, the different monsters and and whatnot and just uh, just a lot of fun and there is one thing that and I was wondering about the critics. I didn't look at any any critics uh, anything the critics had to say until after I saw the film Um, but there was one thing, and I'm not going to say the critic's name, but in The New Yorker, uh, it was, uh, you know, Dougherty, the director, isn't quite sure whether to wow us with the hulking immensity of the action scenes or to wag his finger at us for the environmental hubris of our species. Well, that's every Godzilla movie going back to (laughs) not every Godzilla movie, but going back to 1954. There's a lot of them. They they all do that. I mean, so that's like almost, is there, is there a level of unfamiliarity? Yes. With the series. And
1: I want to just, I want to add to that Dave, because I think I'm wondering too, you know, Josh, what you're saying about a lot of the, the characters and, and some of the, the narrative issues per per se outside of the original Gojira. Right, which you know gets the Criterion Collection and 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 is this considered this true classic uh, of cinema? A lot of the Godzilla movies struggle, I think, when it comes to some of those aspects uh, of story. And I almost want part of me wonders with Doherty being the fan he is. I don't want to necessarily you know give him a complete pass and say it was intentional to make it kind of play that way, but it I don't know it it felt. Like what everything, you know, and I've not seen every Godzilla movie by any stretch, not nowhere near close to what Dave has and certainly not what my sons have seen. But from what I've seen, it felt in a lot of ways like a lot of the when it came to the human interactions, because I I almost feel like the humans in these movies in these movies are the MacGuffin. (laughs) <laughs> like they're 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 not you know I'm not saying they're not important on some level but they're just they're really not the point I don't think and I'm coming at this as a, as a sort of a pseudo outsider but I, I don't know I just that's how I took it is that it was not necessarily uh, essential and I think he probably and legendary i'm guessing took to heart a lot of those criticisms that they got for the 2014 movie which i'm also a fan of but i think one of the big knocks on that movie was hey man came to see Godzilla and uh, you don't really see much Godzilla until like the end of the movie and so this was like oh you want to see Godzilla okay here he is oh and here he is oh and, 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 and you know you, you're not you're going to get so much Godzilla you won't even know what to do so now what are you going to do you're going to complain that there was too much Godzilla so I'm just saying that as a Godzilla movie and for Godzilla fans, I thought this was a great mixture.
2: And I don't. I, and I agree. I mean, I think some of the early films in the in the sixties and what the, the stories might have been a little stronger because I and and that's why I was saying with Mothra especially, I liked the story. I liked watching the movie even when they weren't dealing with Mothra. I still enjoyed the movie. I didn't get that as much from this one, but. It didn't matter. It was a fun, it was it was a, a hell of a lot of fun. I mean, I, I had a blast watching this film.
1: Mm-hmm. Me too. What about you,
4: Andrew? Yes, I would agree pretty much with everything everyone else has said. I mean, this is a fun movie. That's really the, the best word I can think to describe it. It captures, I think, what a lot of those um, second half of the Showa era films became where it kind of went into camp and it was all more about watching monsters fight and not really so much about story. You know, some of the ones I mentioned, I feel like I rank among my favorites because they do really strike that balance between great monster action and a thoughtful human storyline. But in the 35 films that we've seen, I think I could count on one hand, you know, the ones that really do that successfully, including the original. So I think this was much more kind of trying to go to the opposite of the 2014 film, you know, and I think as far as critic reactions go, my feeling is that whether they're familiar with the other films or not, I think they, critics often don't take, Movies on their own terms and that's why I think like for example a lot of horror films don't get their due Because they don't really try to understand what a movie is setting out to do Godzilla king of the monsters the recent one is not setting out to be a profound human drama, okay? It's there to be a flashy action monster fight fest right so and that's what we got and it does that really well so if if that's what you're looking for i don't see how you can complain if you're not looking for that you're looking to the wrong movie that's my that's basically how i would sum up my thoughts and i think that is
1: exactly yep. what my thoughts were when i came out of the movie andrew 100 yep. i agree and actually i did i send you guys a text I, i'm pretty sure it was to, to wolfman and doc i sent you guys a text because i don't think you had seen it yet we might Kids, we wanted to see it opening day, so we saw it opening day and it's something that, since they've been film fans and moviegoers, we've never done. Now we've seen other movies multiple times in the theater, but this is the first time where the next day, because we have another family member who is an older, like in his twenties, his mid twenties, massive Godzilla fan who wanted to see it with us, so we're like, you know what, what the hey, and we went the next day and, and saw it twice. But I sent you guys that text that said just pretend it's 1996 and you just got done seeing Independence Day and Twister. I feel like that's, that was the <laughs> vibe I had from this movie. That, right. that, that's mm-hmm. what it felt like to me.
2: And I agree I that it, it does have that vibe, you know, it where, where it's, you know, you're getting a little bit of story, but you're getting a lot of everything else.
4: Yeah. It's a spectacle. It's, it's just, been, right. yeah, it's a total spectacle. The one thing I was going to say too, is that my hope is is that as we see the monster verse progress? Perhaps even with Godzilla versus Kong. I mean, I know they already wrapped filming, so uh, it's not necessarily going to be influenced much by the reception of this film. But you know, as these films progress, we may see things kind of mature a little bit, and we may see yeah. more of that balance as people are drawn in by the spectacle. Then we can see some more sophisticated takes on the movies, I think. So I'm kind of excited about that, you know. And I, I look to an example like the Marvel Universe movies, you know. I've been re-watching, actually, the, the phase one of all those. And I'm I'm kind of a casual superhero fan, so they're not necessarily my bag, but I enjoy them. Those Those first movies, I feel like, are okay, but they're not great. And the reason I'm right. rewatching them and, and trying to get to the later movies that I haven't seen is because I've heard those later movies are so superior. So I'm hoping this will be kind of the case for the MonsterVerse as well as the, you know, universal dark universe movies as well is right. that as they progress, they're just going to get better.
3: No, this is not gods and monsters. Although I guess it kind of is gods and monsters. It's not <laughs> universal monsters cast, but, um, you know, we do have three of the hosts here and one of our guests. <laughs> so I, we might as well bring it up. <laughs> um, I happen to love Monarch. Like, I, everything about the way that they have presented Monarch in these films, particularly uh, Skull Island, but also this film as well. And I, I love the way they've done Monarch, and I can't figure out for the life of me. Now, again, I'm speaking for myself. You guys might hate Monarch. But speaking for myself... I cannot figure out why Monarch works so well and Prodigium is so bad.
1: 100% I, agree with you. 100%. I, don't get it. I yeah. totally agree with that. Because
3: it's basically the exact same concept. It feels more, it, I
1: think it uh, was Andrew made the comment about the feeling, or, some, or maybe it was you, Josh. Somebody made the comment about uh, things feeling more organic, how they were worked yeah. into this. And I think even like to the monarch cuz you and I don't know this isn't a review for Skull Island but we watched Skull Island before the day before we went and saw the new Godzilla movie and my kids hadn't seen it yet and I saw it once when it came out and I remember liking it, it to me at the time it was like yeah it was like a 6.5 like it was it was fun I liked yeah. it it was cool yeah. but for some weird reason maybe part of it's watching with your kids so they're way more into it you know but I really enjoyed it on like a whole other level the second time around, and I didn't think yeah. I would. I actually thought I was like had hey, my computer getting ready to do some work as it's on, thinking I'm not gonna watch this again. But I was way into it, and it's not it like a seven point five pushing toward an eight for me because it was just yeah. so much more enjoyable. And I, I think, agree. and again, it, you're right. It's that monarch stuff. It doesn't hurt having John Goodman the head of it, and it just it all felt like it was part of that world. The prodigium felt shoehorned it felt like yeah. oh we've got to have something that ties all these movies together a la shield and this monarch yeah. i know that's what it is but it just feels more
3: natural to the world yeah i think um in kongskill island monarch has that kind of west wing walk and talk thing happening where it just really feels like bureaucracy it really feels like people having to deal with this government program and having to work with the military they don't like and it just it feels like real life i agree with you joel whereas you know Printed jim is definitely mustache twirling Mm -hmm. the camera pushes in on russell crowe as he says something very important you know and it's just like yeah yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I don't know that the Dark Universe is carrying on. We know that they are shooting currently the Invisible Man, I believe. Um, I believe is currently in production. The 1L's Invisible Man for Blumhouse. We know that Jason Blum, as we had hoped, has taken over uh, the Universal Monsters movies. We don't know that the Dark Universe will continue. I hope it will. I hope they try to salvage it and they don't just add... Uh, the mummy to the pile of failed jump starts on the universal monster cinematic universe. But I think what they could do is look to Monarch for one idea of how to proceed with at least the prodigium aspect. The
1: rumblings I have heard are that yeah. it, it is pretty much dead, that that it, these are going to be, they're pulling a DC in a way. I mean, DC kind of is keeping some level of connection a little bit between things, but they're. I think Everybody's maybe beginning to realize, huh, perhaps Marvel is just really great at doing what they did. (laughs) And we we don't all have to rip that off. Um, So I get the I I don't mean to disappoint you because I know you love that aspect of it. Personally, I don't want it to be there anymore. I love the idea of these movies existing in the same overall universe without feeling Forced, So that way, if it's a point, you know, uh, I don't know, the, the Elizabeth Moss character, however she's going to be in this new movie, somehow is seen in, you know, in a, in a brief moment in a future Wolfman movie, fine. But it doesn't need to have this elaborate connective tissue, especially when it feels so forced.
3: Well, for me, I just like continuity. Sure. So it bothers me that they tried to do Dracula and they tried to do the Wolfman and they tried to do the mummy and then bailed on them, and they they just feel like loose ends out there flapping in the wind. Yeah. thats It's not that I necessarily want to see all the monsters team up together or anything at some point, although I think this movie is a great case for you can let each monster do what they do, yeah. <laughs> do what it do, yeah. and uh, end up with something good. So, not yeah, sorry, not to get completely sidetracked yeah. on, on Universal.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting because... The Toho movies really helped pioneer the idea of the Cinematic Universe. You know, the Universal monsters were sort of the pioneers. They definitely started it, but then Toho grabbed the concept and ran with it, long before Marvel did. So... (laughs) And so I feel like we're sort of carrying on that tradition, the idea of building a Monsterverse. And it's just fun, you know, the idea that you could build uh, a universe full of giant monsters it's too irresistible. I mean, and then Legendary had sort of already laid the, tr- the foundation for that because, again, they had Gareth's film and Skull Island, which also started to tie those things together. So this just sort of felt like a natural evolution. But at the same time, there weren't any sort of mandates from the studio. Uh, I enjoyed it. So, of course, we're going to mention Kong and Skull Island uh, and just sort of, you know, sprinkle some breadcrumbs with all it.
1: But I think this is an example, Monarch, to your point, is an example of how you do it right, if you're going to do it at all.
4: My theory is that with Monarch, I think one reason works for me is because they're more observers. It's more like they are studying the monsters. I mean, they, they, they play a little bit more of an active role in this movie, but... In The Mummy, you know, Prodigium is like trying to defeat the monsters and figure out how to, you know, uh, affect them and everything like that. And it's it's, it's much more action-oriented, whereas this is kind of like Monarch is playing sort of kind of almost the Steve Martin role in in uh, the original American the version of Godzilla. In <laughs> the <No>. joke, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, No, I mean, it's more like Monarch is an anchor for the audience to follow along with what is happening with the monsters rather than necessarily trying to um, control them and, you know, uh, really be affecting the action. They're more kind of giving us those human moments between the monster fights. And I think that is more the smart way to do it. I, I do still think, though, that this movie,
3: like a lot of that Monarch stuff, again, as much as I like it, and they and they really give you something as horror fans. Michael Dougherty, obviously, you know, known to horror fans for Trick or Treat and for Krampus. And, and I will go out on a limb and say, I think this might be his best film. I mean, I, I enjoy those other films a lot. I, I like Krampus quite a great deal now. Having seen it several times, I know most horror fans love Trick or Treat, um, but you have to look at just what he was attempting to do, and what he pulled off. This is pretty next level for Michael Doherty. I will say, though, um, you know he, he gives a lot to horror fans. You've got Vera Farmiga, who's the Conjuring Universe. You've got Millie Bobby Brown stranger things you've got bradley whitford who was just in get out it's kind of like all of the the best stuff happening in horror Mm uh packed into one movie but you've also got people like kyle chandler and you've got sally hawkins shape of water so he's really done a great job casting and i think some of those cast members like kyle chandler really pulls pulled it off for me um i really believed him o'shea jackson jr who's ice cube's son I really believed him, and as much as I love Bradley Whitford, um, as much as I love Ken Watanabe, it just felt a little canned to me, you know, and I think Vera Farmiga and Millie Bobby Brown were trying really hard, but it, it just didn't feel like it was earned, and so, um, I don't, you know, I am of two minds about it. I'm not completely where a lot of the critics are, but I, I'm not a complete fanboy either. I just... I think that stuff's unfortunate because I think that those in some ways cheapen what was a really fun romp, I guess. I
1: think one of the best ways I have heard it described that gives a lot of credence to what you're saying, Josh, I don't necessarily agree with it (laughs) with you. I mean, Um, but I think you look at Jurassic Park. I think uh, while Jurassic Park is a different type of movie, I mean, we're still dealing dealing with giant monster type creatures, and you do get invested and care. Although I seem to remember critics at the time lambasting that movie for the lack of character development, but that we'll set that aside for the moment. That movie has since become, I think, by a lot of people's standards, a classic, and there is there are characters that people care about, and we want to find out what happens. I think to your point there really isn't anybody per se in this movie, aside from maybe Millie Bobby Brown's character, Madison, that you are invested enough. In, and in, honestly, we don't get enough of her to even really, you know, by the end of it, I mean, other than some of the peril she's in, just because it's a kid, you know, dealing with some pretty, you know, tense situations, uh, you, you know, you don't necessarily get all the feels, you you would say that you, you did with a film like Jurassic Park or something like that. But, on the flip side of it, I come down on, this is spectacle. I don't remember caring that much about who got sucked up into the twisters or who got vaporized in independence day either. And I enjoyed the hell out of all those movies.
3: So, uh, I'm, I'm going to take issue with you on independence. Okay. Day. I think those performed Will Smith and, uh, Jeff Goldblum really make you love those characters. Okay. We'll, we'll agree
1: to disagree. I was, also, I was 20 when that movie came out and I just, I remember that <laughs> the the character stuff that they packed into it in an effort to avoid, I think having it feel like these people weren't flesh and blood characters. I just didn't, I never really cared. I, if I'm being frank with you, I didn't, um, it, it never affected me that way. Sure. So I, I think though that all of, all of that said, this movie is spectacle. And to Andrew's point, If you're going to it expecting, I don't know, uh, some sort of deep (laughs) characterization of, uh, you know, man's inhumanity to man, eh, you know, you're probably going to be marginally disappointed. If you really want to go see some awesome, I'm going to be as lowbrow as I possibly can here. Sorry, folks. Uh, You know, just Kaiju battles and a great spectacle then I think you will be very pleased with uh, how far your dollar goes, especially by the end of this thing, because, man, that that final moment oh my god that was amazing it's that great
2: was... uh, although and you can you can take the uh, the you know and, and i definitely agree with what andrew's saying is that little bit of sort of a disconnect because they are going into a movie called godzilla king of the monsters <laughs> you know <laughs> so you might think maybe that would give them an maybe, idea perhaps of what to expect yes.
4: It's not Tokyo story, folks.
2: <laughs> right.
3: right.
6: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome.
3: But I do think you heard it by comparing it even to a film like Jurassic Park. Like, I think like that's that's a movie that really. Sure. sure. Delivers its emotional. Yes, beats, that know? is true.
1: And I think it goes back to, like you said, earned some a lot of things in this do not feel earned. And there is, without giving anything away, uh, a turn uh, of, the, of the of the the story in a way with a character that does something where you're like, what? I remember I, I was like, I, why is this character doing this thing? I didn't understand. I didn't understand the dynamics of the relationship, but I very quickly was greeted by an awesome kaiju battle. And went, oh yeah, that's right. This is the point. <laughs> I, I just let it go. I just let it fly. I, I totally get where you're coming from, Josh. You're totally right. You're right. I can't say you're wrong, but I just, I didn't care. Yeah.
4: It's
3: just like you take the control room from Jurassic world, or you take the control room from the Meg or you take the control room from any movie like that, and it's like the same exact set of characters. Like the Thomas Middleditch character sure. doing what he does. Sure. The Bradley Whitford character is doing what he does. All of their lines, you could you can write them before you go see the movie, and that's exactly what they said during the movie. But it's it's still fun, you know? So I, I don't know. It's, it, it is, though, on the Roland Emmerich scale, I think, when you're talking... You know, I feel like I feel like this is better than Twister. A film like Twister I don't know that it's as good as a movie even that uh, like independence day just as a film. I think the kaiju stuff though. I think if you're talking about this just as a Godzilla movie, I think it's I think it's just a a cool evolution I guess in the way we've seen those stories told and mm-hmm. it's really exciting to see this much money and effort put into a story like that. I just I guess the reason I get even more disappointed in a film like this sometimes is it's like you've put millions and millions and millions of dollars into this. Can you put like an extra rewrite on the, on the script? Cause that would, <laughs> that would make it a lot better, you know? <laughs> Cause I feel like these actors, you see an actor like Kyle Chandler, he's bringing everything to this. He's 100% committed. Yes, just give him a little bit more to do, you know, right. give him
4: anyway. Can I throw a controversial perhaps opinion here? Sure. Because, mm-hmm. uh, because Josh, I I know how big of a defender you are of the 2014 film, so I don't know how you're going to take this. But if we're <laughs> looking at this in comparison to that film, because you know, I feel like maybe a lot of people who aren't big Godzilla films fans already, who may have seen the 2014 film and are maybe like, okay, it was alright, but I don't know if I want to invest, you know, the time to see this one or not. And they're hearing some of this stuff about, ah, uh, the human element is not that great. Personally, I feel like the human characters and dialogue and everything was, it, in, in acting, just the, the um, performances that were given, are far superior than what we got in the 2014 film. And that's what really hurt that movie, is that not that, for me, it was not that we didn't see Godzilla enough. It, because I appreciated what Gareth Edwards was trying to do with that
0: movie. I actually really love sort of that uh, restrained, slow burn approach that Gareth took. Uh, I feel like we don't have enough movies that take that road. We live in an ADD culture, so I don't know if we can make Alien or Jaws in today's world. But I feel like once you've taken that path, which they did with the 2014 film. We can't repeat that, so it was a conscious choice to throw in more monsters. I always appreciate when
4: someone tries to put a new twist on a kaiju film, like something like Colossal, for example. But the problem was is that the human characters were boring and the performances were not that good. So, yeah. While I, 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 I don't would say with Yeah. Okay. I no, mean, I think I think like Aaron Taylor
3: Johnson. I who I loved in Kick Ass, I felt like was poorly cast in that film. His character was the least interesting character. And if you're going to have Elizabeth Olsen involved, like really give us something there with those characters, because Brian Cranston was fantastic in that. Oh film. yeah, Amazing. and Julian Binoche, and you have those types of characters, but they are doing exactly what Kyle Chandler and Vera Farmiga are doing in this film. They're tr- they're going 100 miles an hour with you know a pinto they they are they're giving everything they have with very little script backing them up and so brian Cranston, i felt like was extremely emotionally convincing in the little bit he has to do but he has so little to do in in this new film i felt the same way with kyle chandler i feel like he's giving everything he has uh but there's not much there there you know and so i agree with you though i think this is the superior film to the Godzilla 2014, which I am a big fan of. I have defended. And I I love the way they shot Godzilla in that film. I thought this was interesting, and I was watching for that. Because if you guys remember, one of the concepts of that film is that you would never see the classic Godzilla shot that we're so used to from the old films, which is just this wide shot of the city with Godzilla tromping around on, on the buildings. We were always going to see... Godzilla shot from a human POV. So it was always going to be shot from the ground up, or maybe you had to put a human on top of a building to see Godzilla walk by, but we were always going to be seeing something that the human, that someone could film with a handicap that the human eye could catch. And so you're seeing Godzilla displayed in a way that we hadn't really seen him displayed at that point. I thought that was genius. And I, and this film was interesting because it was a mix of the two. It was, they did that a lot. I was watching them the whole time and I haven't, I, I, I actually not the whole time. I was watching from about the half point on cause I remembered that halfway through the film and I would like to see the movie again. So I could really examine it more closely, but I felt like they really tried to capture that same look and vibe of feeling like you're on the ground with Godzilla as a person, but they also gave us those big Epic shots so we could see Godzilla in all his glory and, that was awesome and and i felt like it was really effective the way they combined those two kind of ideas or approaches Mm
1: -hmm. all right so do you want to do ratings and recommendations let's do it all All right right, so uh, hey dave why don't you kick it off
2: all right uh the new godzilla king of the monsters i'm going to go with a 7.5 i think it is worth seeing in the theater it is a fun movie um Uh, As we've all been saying, story-wise, there's not a lot of meat on the bones, but it doesn't matter because what you get is an incredible amount of fun, and I think you would enjoy seeing this definitely on the big screen. So a 7.5.
1: All right. And uh, would this be a buy for you, presumably? Did you say? A buy for me? Yeah, like when it comes out on
2: remember i've i bought super mario brothers and spice Uh, world i I guess that's a very very good point so so yes this is a buy for me
1: oh
3: wow that was great all right wolfman i think this is a great popcorn movie i had a great time watching this in the theater i i don't imagine that anyone wouldn't um i feel like this is a a great film to see with a big audience on a Friday night in a packed house. I think that's the vibe you want uh, from a movie like this. And I think it's a great entry into our history of Godzilla films. I don't know that anyone who hated the 2014 film is going to be, have their mind changed by this movie. But I think if you were on the fence about the 2014 film, this could help make you feel a lot better about the direction Legendary is going, and I am very hopeful based on this film that this Legendary Monsters verse is going to turn out to be just a great era in the you know in the next era of the Godzilla kaiju franchise. So, yeah, it's, it's a great film. I would give this one probably a seven point five. I say see it in the theater and buy it when it comes out on Blu-ray. Well, I
1: will say you both did apparently like it better. Then the 2014, because you both gave it the same rating for the 2014. You both gave it a 7, and you both gave it this one a 7.5. So you are both are very much in sync.
3: Nice.
2: And that was without looking up my old rating. I looked looked it up for you. Interesting. Yeah. I did not know (laughs) that. (laughs) All
1: right, Andrew, what you got?
4: Well, you know, it's hard to really rate this. I feel like I want to see it a second time to give it a fair rating, but based on my reaction to my first viewing, I would I would give it a eight. I mean, I, I really had fun. I felt like I pretty much got everything I was looking for. I got a few curveballs that I wasn't expecting, even though some elements are predictable. So it's definitely a fun movie. I say see it in the theaters, and I say it's a buy, especially if you are a kaiju nerd like myself. You'll want to have this. I'm very curious also to see what kind of extra goodies we might be getting on the um, DVD Blu- Blu-ray release.
3: Yeah, Mike Doherty always does a great Blu-ray, by the way. So
1: I may have breaking news, courtesy of GFan. Are Ooh. you familiar with GFan? Yes. Okay, my son <laughs> is a subscriber. We got that for Christmas for him. It is a fan magazine for, for Godzilla and kaiju aficionados, for those that don't know. Um, and it was actually super cool because I, I don't know the people that put it together, but I'm guessing it's enough of a labor of love that the people who did it when he they sent the first issue uh, to my son after we subscribed to it for him, uh, it actually had like a handwritten little note in there For him saying, thank you so much for subscribing. I mean, this was definitely not some mass produced thing. So it's a really cool, fun uh, fan magazine. So if you're into this kind of thing, definitely check it out. But according to my son's reading of the latest issue, which I believe he got yesterday, it had some information in there. And according to Doherty, there may in fact be in the extras some films he made as a kid that were Godzilla oriented. Uh, that's yeah, awesome. which is, it, that's that's oh, awesome. oh yeah, and and uh, Max was over the moon because he actually makes little stop motion movies all the time with his because he has those uh, was it S H Monster it's the ones that are really articulated so he can get really detailed uh, movements with them so uh, he he was <laughs> yeah. super stoked to see that he might get to see this guy's uh, earlier Godzilla work so uh, that I don't cool. know for sure that's you know. Uh, from uh, my my sources are a twelve year old by way of a fan magazine, so keep that in mind, please. Uh, <laughs> so my rating and recommendation, I am uh, proud to say, not only do I say you should see it in the theater, come on, I saw it twice in opening weekend, and I will say, Josh, uh, not to uh, give you too much uh, fuel for your fire of your argument, I will say that watching the first time, super stoked after I saw it, I did have a moment where I thought. Ah, uh, you know, there's a few parts of the the human interactions I'm gonna have to sit through again next day. I, uh, uh, am I gonna be able to do that? <laughs> there was a, there was a level of trepidation, but I am happy to report that the <laughs> second viewing was f- was a a pleasure. And I because I honestly thought that there might have been a little bit of pain involved, but it was it was definitely a pleasure. So uh, kind of like my second viewing of Kong, but that was way removed from from the first time I would seen it. So just like my rating improved for. Kong from like a around the seven ish range to uh, like pushing into the seven point five eight range or six point five to seven point five to eight for this movie it actually stayed the same because I said this number to my kids after we saw it the first time and after seeing it the second time the next day stayed the same so see it in the theater definitely buy it on Blu-ray hopefully there'll be tons of great extras and I am proud to say I come in higher than not only the expert we have on the show, but the guy who just got done watching 20 kaiju movies, I'm giving it an 8.5. Boom. <laughs> that's what I told my after we left the first show. I said 8.5. My kids are all like, well, I don't want to say what they are. Cause in case you uh, play the uh, little bit, they'll, they'll say what their re- recommendations or ratings are. But uh, I said 8.5 right out the gate. And that's what I'm sticking to.
3: Nice.
2: Awesome.
1: That's amazing. All right. So as we wrap up this feature review of Godzilla, king of the monsters we want to thank andrew andred for joining us thank you so much for being here man
4: yeah thank you for inviting me on this is so much fun i love talking about these movies because it's not every day i get the chance to share my kaiju nerdum with other people yeah that was
2: it was a lot of fun yeah, thank you he brought a lot to it thank you very much yeah definitely pleasure and we
3: actually we should say we've been planning on having you on the show for a very long time it's just the way that our themed episodes go and of course we had a lot of um kind of mix up when jay uh resigned (laughs) when jay retired well he didn't retire he's still podcasting i don't know what he's doing when jay did whatever he did (laughs) um so we one thing we would love to have andrew back for is a disability and horror episode but make sure you catch the writing that he's done on that topic on jeff hammer's website and i will put links to that in the show notes but do you want to tell people just briefly an overview about what that piece is about and what uh, your kind of focus is with that andrew
4: Sure. Yeah. So, and and I have not followed up on those um, like I had intended to, but essentially, what I was trying to do is to think of a kind of overarching um, way of analyzing the role that the the various different roles that disability can play in the horror genre. Because you know, thinking about it, it's I I kind of have a deep um, love and interest in both disability and culture and society and a deep love of horror. And so trying to think of bringing those together in a way that kind of is able to recognize the problems that can come up, but also not just dismissing everything as being problematic. You know, that's kind of something I hear a lot, is everything's problematic, and I, wanna, I want I it to be a little more thoughtful, so I developed this idea of disability horror myths, and it's basically just kind of looking at some of the major patterns I've seen in disability representation throughout horror, both in literature and film, and just kind of then my idea would be to, after presenting this general kind of theory is to look at individual examples of how, how you might take one of those myths. And so one of them was the demonic cripple, the disabled villain and kind of looking at individual examples and saying, just because the villain is disabled, does that mean that this is stigmatizing towards disability and of picking apart that a little bit and trying to read it in multiple ways you know so i think that kind of stuff is fun i know it kind of may seem a little bit academic but um i i, I find it gives me a much deeper richer experience of horror when i'm able to do that kind of thing so i'm planning to go more into that i've presented on that topic and conferences and things so i'm definitely planning to pursue it in the future
3: yeah. And I think if people check out that piece you were just referring to on Hammer's website, I think it is a lot of fun. I think it's very interesting. I love it. And it's something I'd definitely like to have you on the show to delve into deeper at some point. Absolutely. Thanks. Yeah, that'd
4: be,
1: that'd be great. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. This is cool. Yeah. All right. So Andrew, then do you want to, I mean, I guess technically Wolfman did it, but I mean, if you have anywhere else you, uh, the people can find you online.
4: Yeah, they could check me out on Twitter and Dread the Blind. And also, if you want to check out my reviews on Letterboxd, I'm just I'm there. It's just Dan Dread, and um, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of the people in the HMP community. And I try to review as many movies as I see. Not everyone, obviously, but um, just kind of some of them are brief and some of them are a little more in-depth. So check me out on there, and I'd love to hear any feedback on any of them.
3: And Andred's episode of Universal Monsters Cast is a little, hasn't hasn't aged well. Let's put it that way. But it was still a lot of fun. And if people want to go back, I've had a couple of listeners who have told us they had never heard Universal Monsters Cast and decided to go back and and those first th- I think three or so episodes. Are all about what will the dark universe be like? You know, and we were wrong, way but, wrong. <laughs> but it was kind of fun. It, it, it's fun in a different way to go back and listen to those now. And I've had a couple of listeners say who who weren't who hadn't heard us then say, "Oh yeah, I'm really enjoying these episodes. You guys were so wrong about everything." <laughs> like, yeah.
2: Well, we had no way of knowing. So it was, so yeah. was, so was universal.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. True. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for being on with us today. We really appreciate it, man.
4: All right. Thank you. Have a good night. And um, I look forward to listening to the show. Awesome.
2: All right. Thank you. Hope you feel better.
4: Thank you. See you guys. All right.
2: right, Take care.
1: All right. Gilman Joel here with a review of Godzilla King of the Monsters, but not from me. I'll be doing mine on the actual show. This one is by three of the biggest Godzilla superfans that I know. My awesome, wonderful three sons, Max, Connor, and Parker. So I'm gonna let each of them say hi and then we'll go into our th- their thoughts on Godzilla King of the Monsters. So first up, we've got the ultimate Godzilla super fan, Max, my oldest, AKA Godzilla Jr.
6: Hello, I'm a super fan.
1: And of course, we have Connor, my middle son, AKA Ghidorah Jr.
6: Ghidorah rules, Godzilla down.
1: Whoa, those that, that sounds like fighting words. I think we gotta be careful here. All right, so, and we can never forget, last but certainly not least, the little man, my youngest, Parker. AKA Rodan Jr.
6: I know. I love Godzilla.
1: Yes, we all we all love Godzilla. Alright, so we are going to talk about what is it, guys?
6: Godzilla, Godzilla, the king of the monsters.
1: Okay, apparently they want to talk about. No, oh, is it Minia? Mi- Minilla? Minilla, right?
6: No, but it's too soon for me to fight my own battles. No, that's, he sucks. Like <laughs> really, <stuff. laughs> yeah, really. He's <laughs> serious.
1: Okay, they are not fans of Minilla. If you're a fan of Minilla out there, we apologize. But I, I've yet to really meet I a Godzilla. How fa- dare a, a, a Godzilla fan that actually likes Minilla? But maybe they're they're out there. Maybe they exist. We don't know, so we don't want to offend them. But we are now going to talk about the movie that we saw, not once, but what guys? Twice. That's right, we have never done that. Now, Force Awakens, and some, so there's been a few other movies where we've seen them more than once in the theater, but this is the first time we saw it opening day, and then we saw it the next day as well we saw godzilla king of the monsters twice so uh everybody i think it's safe to say was happy with it but we'll save our ratings and recommendations right guys till the very end okay no
6: Spoilers.
1: okay no spoilers now first up i'm gonna let max aka godzilla jr super fan real quick give every all the listeners out there a quick overview of how long he has been a godzilla fan now he's got a pretty massive collection of godzilla action figures wouldn't you say max
6: yeah, and comic books and posters. So, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's a big, big Godzilla fan. Now, he was introduced to Godzilla around, what, about five years of age, Max? You want to tell everybody that story real quick?
6: Yeah. I was like five, and I was watching a um, documentary on dinosaurs, and they played a clip from Godzilla in 1954. And I really like Godzilla after that.
1: And so it made you want to see the movies? Now, my memory is that we rented the Americanized version of the 54 film, the one with Perry Mason playing Steve Martin. Technically, it's Raymond Burr, but I always think of him as Perry Mason. So we saw that version, right? But you think you actually saw a Godzilla movie before that, right?
6: Yeah, I did. I thought I saw Godzilla Raids again before that. Um I just for some reason really like kaiju fighting each other more than kaiju destroying humanity for some reason. I don't know why. Okay.
1: So that's what you liked better about Godzilla Raids again as opposed to the original? Because then we saw... You you have seen since the Japanese version, haven't we? Have we seen the actual Japanese version?
6: Yeah, it was pretty messed up because there's a part where a woman... Uh, uh,
1: Okay, we're we're going to... No spoilers. No spoilers. Okay. okay. So (laughs) not even for a movie from 1954. We're going to be careful. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're going to go around the table and we'll talk to each of these guys about what maybe one or two of their favorite parts of the new Godzilla movie Godzilla King of the Monsters 2019 and without spoilers we're gonna do our best here right because otherwise Wolfman is gonna have some editing to do all right so starting off with Parker aka Rodan jr. Parker you want to let the people know maybe what one or two of your favorite uh, aspects or parts of the new movie were
6: yes one one is the part where Rodan comes out of the mountain and that whole part with Rodan of that part mm-hmm. where like Rodan comes out and goes over okay
1: well we are gonna be careful yeah, spoilers okay so you like when Rodan emerges right yes. I think it's not a spoiler to say that because he's in the trailer right
6: and second is the battle at the end
1: oh yeah that was awesome I'd say that battle was worth the price of admission yes wouldn't you agree okay right, twice price of admission twice people okay so now Cotter. A.K.A. Ghidorah Junior. What were a couple of your favorite parts? Ghidorah. Uh, Ghidorah. You mean? Yes.
6: Yeah. So I I I'm so used to saying that because every time I see one of the Japanese uh, ones, all these the Japanese people go, "Ghidorah!" Yeah, because they say it fast. Yeah. 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 They so say they... Ghidorah. Yeah, Ghidorah. I love it when like it, all, like lightning's coming out of all those membranes and wing tips. It's so cool.
1: Yeah. So you like, you just like the imagery of Ghidorah with the lightning and everything that was really cool. What else? What was another favorite part of yours?
6: (sighs) Probably. Would it be a spoiler? (laughs) Yeah, don't say that. Okay, never mind, I'm not
1: going to say that. Oh, you can say, say, like, the end or something like
6: that. Like, when he, like, a Godzilla, like, at the end sitting, I do feel, I'm not going to say anything, but I feel really, really, really sad for Ghidorah. I kind of wanted Godzilla to lose for once. Hmm. That way, like, yeah. in the second movie, like, I wanted there to be, like, a two-part. It's so, like, in the second movie, he, like, just became, like, this raging monster, just destroyed everything to get to Ghidorah. I kind of wanted that to happen.
1: Oh, okay. So, you want to, you, 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 without giving anything away... You're just sad about... Ghidorah. Ghidorah. <laughs> okay, we won't give anything away, though. So now, last, on the other side, and certainly not least, is superfan Maximus, a.k.a. Godzilla Jr. What were a couple of your favorite parts of this new movie?
6: Um, The part where, on the ice, where Godzilla and King Ghidorah were battling the last battle. The part where Mothra emerges from the waterfall and they're playing... The Mothra theme. I thought that was really cool. And then um, there's one part where basically it's in the trailer. So if you've seen the trailer, you'll know this. Rodan is about to fight Ghidorah. And then it shows Ghidorah in the clouds. But it's like kind of his silhouette while the lightning is flashing behind him. I thought that looked really cool.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of really cool imagery in this movie, like we said. So... Having seen it twice, guys, do you feel like were you satisfied with the overall story and the characters and stuff? Did yeah. you guys feel good yes, about that yes. stuff?
6: Yes. Yeah. yes. So I didn't yeah. particularly feel sad when <gasps> I I, I. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, try that again, Con. You just say so you didn't feel sad when a certain character. Keep it a little more
6: vague. Yeah. Uh I didn't feel sad when a particular character might have passed. Might.
1: Why, why weren't you sad?
6: In the 2014 Godzilla, he or she, I'm not saying, was either. That way I keep it even more. vague. Yeah, vague. I didn't really care about him as a character. So in this movie, when he or she died, you just said him as. I didn't really feel that much. Upset. Oh, I did not feel like. Okay. It was sad. I'd be a sociopath not to feel sad.
1: So, that all said, we obviously enjoyed this movie. It is a fun, would you guys agree it's just a fun yeah. monster movie? Does it does it hold up for you fairly well? It's just a Godzilla movie in general? Yeah,
6: yes. pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. The guy did a really good job of making it feel like more how the Japanese would make a Godzilla movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just made me feel good because in the 2014, it felt more like Americanized. Yeah, Americanized. It felt more like the Rampage movie that we saw where it like was felt like it was made by Americans, but in that one it felt like it was made by a person who worked for Godzilla.
1: Before. Uh, for like Toho or something?
0: Well, Toho is one of our creative partners, so uh, they're involved and they had final approval on the designs for the creatures. So I had a very surreal moment where I had to take our designs, which were still in progress, fly to Tokyo and present them to the entire Toho board. Uh, which sounds just as scary as it was. Uh, they're wonderful, wonderful collaborators, great partners, uh, but it was intimidating, because I, I, it, it sort of felt like full circle. You know, here was the company that was responsible for creating so many movies and characters that we love, and I felt like the kid who heard that echo, heard that call, bringing it back to them and saying, well, here's my version of the monsters you created. Uh, and so it was very emotional. But um, they've been nothing but supportive and just wonderful.
6: In this one, he actually even had, like, the original 1954 spike look. Oh, yeah, if he you did that on purpose. Yeah, it's an Easter egg. If you look closely, spikes look more like the 1954.
1: Oh, I didn't I didn't even notice that. That's cool. All right, so yeah. let's go ahead and do our ratings and recommendations. We're going to start with Connor this time. Connor, we're going to start with you, and you can tell us, do you recommend this movie? Do you think people should go see it in the theater, rent it, or should they also... Buy it when it comes out on Blu-ray.
6: I definitely say buy it, unless you're someone who can't stand very, very bright, flashing lights and different like transitions of like sound, like high pitch, then very, very low. If you can't stand that type of stuff, then definitely don't see in the theater. Okay.
1: And do you think if somebody isn't bothered by that kind of stuff, that they should see in the theater?
6: Totally, okay. probably like 25 times.
1: Okay. So, what is your rating for it?
6: 9.5 out of 10.
1: 9.5 out of 10. All right. Going to Rodan Jr. here, the Parkster. Park, would you recommend people see this in the theater? And if so, what about buying it when it comes out on Blu-ray? Should they rent it, buy it, what?
6: Watch in the theater and then buy it.
1: Okay. And what is your rating out of 10? 10. 10 out of 10? Wow. That's pretty impressive. I loved it. Okay. Last but again, certainly not least, Max... Super fan, Godzilla Jr. Max, can you tell us, do you recommend this movie for the theater? And if should people buy it? And then tell us your number rating.
6: Um, what Connor said about the movie theater, I'm going to go along with that. Yeah. Like what he said about the flashing lights and everything, because there's a lot of that kind of stuff in Especially it. Especially when Ghidorah has his lightning moments. It's like flash, flash, yeah. flash. Yeah. Um.
1: But if that doesn't bother people?
6: Then totally see it. Yeah, you should see it, yeah. Especially if you're a Godzilla fan. Okay. And I say definitely buy it when it comes out on Blu-ray, because I read it in my G-Fan. Yeah, I know I'm a Godzilla nerd. And the Blu-ray is going to have a few Godzilla videos that the director made when he was a kid with his own, like, Godzilla action figures, because I, cause I do video, stop-motion videos with my Godzilla action figures. So... If you're a Godzilla fan, you wanted to see that kind of stuff, I say get it for the extras too, not just the movie. Okay.
1: Now, what about your rating? 10. Out of? 10. Nice. All right. So, final words. Are you guys disappointed that this movie didn't have a guy in a rubber suit or that there was no Minilla?
6: Uh, Minilla, I don't care. Okay. I, I don't really care that Minnie was-
1: Minnie or Minilla?
6: uh japanese is minya and then american is Minola.
1: oh like you mean when you the way you pronounce it okay yeah
6: like actually i thought it would be cool like really cool if they actually had a rubber suit because i thought that it would be cool to see a rubber suit with like newer technology and stuff to see what that would look like
1: okay that's cool all right so any any final words then
6: uh yeah I, the only reason I would want Mini to be in that movie is to get blown to shreds by Godzilla. If he got so, like, if, like, Mini was, like, following him around, pestering him, I would really want Godzilla or get to just blast him to shreds. That'd be awesome. And, actually, I don't know because uh, if the rubber suit thing would be good, because if it looked like the Godzilla 2001 GMK, I don't think they sh- w- should do it. But if it looks like it in this movie, except a rubber suit, then probably, yeah.
1: Okay. All right, so anything else, any perk, last one?
6: Same with me with car. Like, if it looked like it did in the movie, then yes. But if it didn't, then no.
1: Okay, all right. So that is Godzilla Jr., Ghidorah Jr., and Rodan Jr. Hey, guys, you want to tell everybody that we're dead serious about horror movies? No! <laughs> all right, and before we wrap up our godzilla discussion we want to kick it on over to a message from nick host of the sci-fi podcast
3: so nick is the newest addition to the sci-fi podcast he's joined solo and matroid and station over there and if you have not heard the show in a little while well it's not your fault they haven't posted that much but the shows that they have posted especially with nick have been a lot of fun he is a hilarious guy and just an amazing addition to that show. Um, I don't know that his voicemail is going to live up to this hype, but I just want to say, however this voicemail goes, (laughs) definitely check out Nick on the Sci-Fi Podcast. He's a lot of fun, and um, I think just they were really lucky to get him on the show.
5: Hey, guys. This is Nick, or Sputnik, coming to you from the Sci-Fi Podcast. Thanks for having me here on the Horror Podcast and letting me have a couple minutes to talk about How awesome Godzilla King of Monsters is I really enjoyed that film when opening night with my brothers Who are huge Godzilla fans And we just had a blast As a kid, me and my brothers, we enjoyed watching the old VHS We had, I want to say like four or five of them on VHS And we would watch them over and over I know a lot of people aren't fans of the 1998 one But, you know, I was a fan of that. I remember seeing that one on the big screen with my dad and my brothers. And we were huge fans of the Mothra film with Godzilla. And it was a blast to see Mothra come to uh, life again on the big screen in this latest Godzilla film. And we really liked, for me personally, watching a lot of the homage being paid or the throwbacks to those original films. Especially with them using the flute from Mothra's original theme as well as the twins being brought back into the storyline with their granddaughter being one of the current scientists working there. Overall, Godzilla, King of Monsters, was just a... it was a blast, I mean. What isn't there to like about monsters fighting on a big screen? If you have something against that, I'm sorry, but I don't think we can be friends. You know, I've heard people comment on how poor the writing is. Well, here's the thing, the original Godzilla films, the dialogue's not always that brilliant. I personally feel like they're doing an excellent job with the rebooting of the uh, Godzilla films and just the whole Godzilla stories as they introduce a lot of the, the classic, memorable characters. It's been great to go and see the last Godzilla film and now this one. And I mean, Kong Skull Island's great. I'm very excited for what they're going to be doing with the whole monster universe with the different King Kong films and the Godzilla films as well as the Mothra film that they're going to do. I'm excited to see that there's a lot of big, prominent horror directors and horror filmmakers that are involved in the writing and directing of these films. And as I'm talking to you guys about this, I'm just watching my little bobblehead Godzilla that dances. It's a solar dancer made by NECA that uh, sits on my desk, and he's just swinging back and forth. But uh, anyhow, go check out Godzilla King of Monsters. I promise you, if you like these kind of movies, you're going to have a blast. All the Godzilla fans that I know, I have not seen one hate on this film. I mean, if you're still learning about and getting into Godzilla, you know, it's going to be a whole new new experience for you. But I can promise you, just enjoy it, get some popcorn, and it's it's a good time. I mean, if you're feeling really adventurous, watch Shin Godzilla, which is a couple years ago. Um it is in Japanese, but you can get it with uh, English dub. And I mean that's a great Godzilla film as well. Anyhow, Godzilla rocks. Thanks again for having me. Be sure to check us out at the sci-fi podcast. We've been talking about a lot of great things as we've recently started season two. we uh, talk about the recent experiences at Fan X, Comic-Con and Salt Lake in the springtime. We've been talking about Star Wars and what to expect with the, the Star Wars galaxy and the whole saga. What's to come. We've been looking at the X-Men films and what's going down with the Phoenix. But uh, if you love all things science fiction, be sure to check us out. It's a blast here on the, uh, the movie network. And once again, guys, thanks for having me. Hope you have a good one.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Nick, for that awesome voice message that I, too, as I record this, have not heard. But I'm sure it was phenomenal, and <laughs> we will now go to our collector's crypt. Where boy oh boy does Wolfman Josh have a review for you?
3: So here's the thing. Welcome to the collector's crib, Yada yada yada. We were going to do a full <laughs> review of this disc. It's getting late. We're tired. And here's the thing. This is Godzilla 1998. <laughs> So, <laughs> you gotta have standards, people. You gotta have standards. The, the movie is exactly still what you think it is. This is a better transfer of it, and the disc they they've put together for it is pretty good. But you know, you're, at one point, you're what is the what is the phrase? You're dressing up a pig. Is that a put <laughs> <or laughs> lipstick like on a pig at some point here? So a pig. yeah, you that. know, <laughs> if you're a Godzilla completist, it's definitely worth getting. If you're someone who enjoyed the '98 film when you originally saw it. I guess it's worth thinking. By the way, I I,
1: I feel like there may be no movie, maybe no movie that better represents the concept of C and D for people than that movie, cinematic nostalgia (laughs) disorder, because you ask anybody that was say 10, 11, 12, when that movie came out and they'll tell you how much they loved it at that time, it was the greatest movie ever. And then ask them what it's like to revisit it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as right. an adult. And, I yeah, heard, that's crazy. and very few oh. that I have met will think, of, oh, it's still amazing. One of the greatest. I've right. not met too many people <laughs> who say that.
3: I, You know, I just have never enjoyed dinosaurs in a city. I didn't like when Jurassic Park went there. I didn't like when Jurassic World went there. And I did not like it when Godzilla went there. And I, it's, I mean, on one hand, look, Godzilla was a dinosaur originally, right? He was a dinosaur that was kind of like off on his own island the way kong was on Skull island and then he got hit by radiation and turned into godzilla that's the legend of godzilla if i'm not mistaken so it's not totally out of character that godzilla would be represented in this way but um it just doesn't feel like a godzilla movie i guess and it, doesn't, it he doesn't show up yeah.
2: later dave you were saying in one of these other films yes. that you watch yes. he, he does um it, it might have been um Oh, boy, the, it might have been the Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, giant monsters all out attack. It opens up in, it's almost like a military academy. And the uh, the officers at the front talking to them, he said, uh, talking about in 1954, there was a monster that, uh, you know, Godzilla, who uh, terrorized Tokyo. And then it was quiet for a long time, but now it's looking like it's kicking up again something happened in uh, New York a couple years ago that they think might have been Godzilla. And then these two cadets, while this guy's continuing on, these two cadets lean over and whisper to each other, the one said, that was Godzilla, wasn't it? And the other one says, uh, uh, well, the experts in uh, in America seem to think so, but uh, over here we think, you know, we, we have some other ideas that they're not really, that it might not have been him. <laughs> We, um, have our doubts we have our doubts, that's yeah. what it was We have our doubts over here And then in Final Wars yes. You get Zilla, which is what they named it You know, yes. the, the, the Toho films just, yeah, Named the that god. creature Zilla, Zilla. Yeah. They got rid of the god part yeah. They named it Zilla Shows up to fight Godzilla I mean, you want to talk a cameo <laughs> I mean, this this thing is I, I don't think it's on screen More than 45 seconds It's pretty short <laughs> It shows up in Sydney. It gets thrown into the opera house and it's done. (laughs) And the villain who... um brought this creature back, said, ah, that tuna-eating monster, I should have known it was... I, I I had a feeling it was no good, yeah. or something along those lines. <laughs> and that's it. That's all they discuss about... Well, and like you said best.
1: earlier, Final Wars is like a Godzilla movie ramped up to 11, so...
3: Oh, a- in yeah. every respect, it, it, yes, it, in It's every fitting respect. that
1: that moment's even in that movie, so,
3: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Well, I, I think it's actually kind of a f- cool-looking monster design. I mm-hmm. think it's a fine big monster movie, like it's not a great. I mean, it's in like the five range for me. I like Matthew right. Broderick. I don't like him in this necessarily, but I like him. I like just seeing him on screen pretty much anytime. So, mm-hmm. I think if it weren't a Godzilla movie and this is not something original to me. People are saying this all all over the place all the time. If it weren't a Godzilla movie, it might be a pretty decent kaiju film. Right. Um, but as a Godzilla movie, it's a failure and That's unfortunate, because I think it's it's kind of fun.
8: The task of reinventing Godzilla for a new generation fell to Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin, the creative team behind Stargate and Independence Day. Their twin talents for taking familiar stories in new directions and destroying national landmarks put the duo at the top of the monster's A-list. He's hungry for new challenges and ready to make a big impression on the streets of the Big Apple. Not bad for a movie star pushing 50. My whole concept was based on totally changing Godzilla. The filmmakers started by giving Godzilla a complete tail to snout makeover.
0: When they made the Godzilla films, they were limited to putting a, a guy in a big rubber suit lumbering down a street because that's as far as they could go technologically at the time. Only now can we really present Godzilla in the way that I think the original authors intended him to be, which is lethal and fast and agile. And with a few new tricks up his sleeve. What else did you find out? We know that he eats tons of fish. He's amphibious. He's a burrower. And he's pregnant.
2: If you've ever had a problem with Siskel and Ebert, they do poke fun at Siskel and Ebert. The mayor is named Ebert. He's a larger man with glasses. His assistant is named Gene and he's bald. And at one point, Gene gives Mayor Ebert a thumbs down. So that was uh, that was uh, a <laughs> little shot at Cisco neighbor who never seemed to like any of his movies.
3: So Godzilla 98 new on Blu-ray. If you didn't think you liked it before, you <laughs> still are not going to like it. You still don't. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think eh, it's kind of fun to watch, this is a nice Blu-ray release of it. And that will do it for this edition of the collector's credit. Well, thank you, Wolfman Josh, for what
1: may go down in the record books as the shortest collector's script
3: or any (laughs) segment. Well, Dave actually padded it out. Dave gave us some good content there. So thank you to Dave. Because I was planning on just a slash and grab job there. But Dave... uh... You were were
1: planning on a a Zilla-level cameo in Final Wars (laughs) for your collector's script for that movie. Well, thank you for doing that. Thank you for taking one for the team. We really appreciate it. And with that why don't we go into something much more pleasant, our Screaming Online segment sponsored by Shudder.
3: Welcome to our Shudder sponsored Screaming Online segment. Shudder is a premium streaming video service serving fans of all of the best genres like horror thriller and sci-fi at the low, low price of five ninety-nine dollars a month or $56.99 per year. Shutter has the largest, fastest growing human curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. You can get it on your Apple devices, your Android devices, Xbox, Amazon fire, Roku and Google Chromecast among others. With your subscription, you'll get unlimited access for ad-free streaming of all kinds of great films, one of which we're going to talk about tonight. They've got exclusive titles like Dead Wax, the amazing Shutter documentary, which we covered recently on the show, Horror Noir, exclusives like Monster Party and Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich, and new Shutter originals like The Night Shifter, which has been getting a lot of great reactions from our listeners, The Ranger, which I've reviewed recently on the show and collections like Vengeance is Hers, Horror Comedies, and Dario Argento. You can try Shudder free for 30 days. Go to Shudder.com and use the promo code HMP. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and the promo code HMP. It really helps us out a lot. We get credit when you sign up, and it really costs you nothing. And you get a full month of Shudder, which has just got some great stuff. Of course, the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs, we're huge fans of. They've just renewed the series. They're going to have another season coming up very soon. We're looking forward to that. You can still check out the back seasons, which are streaming on shutter. Now let's get into our feature review from shutter this week. It is the host. So this is the Bong Joon-ho version of the host. We decided to cover it because we're talking kaiju and this is a, a Korean kaiju film. Um, this is not the Stephanie Myers host, just in case you were wondering. There is, <laughs> it seems, a fleet of helicopters going over me right now, so I don't know if you guys.
1: Magnum PI is solving a case as we speak.
3: Yeah. Um,
1: okay. Wow, what is it? Was it was, was like 30 of them? Well, Godzilla, didn't. Godzilla really is going to be coming up there on the beach here soon. Yeah, so it I sounds guess. like
3: Godzilla is approaching the beach now. There you go. Um, this is a. 20- 2006 film which was released in the United States in 2007 and it stars one of my all-time favorite Korean actors whose name I can never remember Song Kang Ho now he is amazing if you've ever seen Memories of Murder that was the first time that I ever really saw him uh, but he stood out to me so much in that film he's The Star of Thirst which is a great vampire film that I that I quite enjoy and Bong Joon-ho, the director, he's the director of the aforementioned Memories of Murder. He's also directed uh, more American-accessible films like Snowpiercer and Oak Jaw. Uh, but the host is his take on the giant monster movie, and it's a lot of fun. I don't remember exactly the circumstances when I saw it, but I was just like, "Wow, that was something different." It's funny. It's scary, and at the time, again, not being as versed in Korean cinema, I was just kind of like, wow, that was something else. Uh, the CGI does not hold up, I don't think, by today's standards, though I'm not sure it was great then. I remember even the first time seeing it thinking, I hate the CGI in this. But uh, other than that, it's – it's and, and the monster works. Like, practically, it works, um, but it's not inc- incredibly impressive-looking. According to IMDb, a monster emerges from Seoul's Han River and begins attacking people. One victim's loving family does what it can to rescue her from its clutches. And, yeah, that opening scene when the monster first comes out of the river is so effective. It's yeah. hilarious. It's scary. It, it sets up the stakes. And it's so different from most other kaiju movies that you see. The way the way it's um, staged is was so fascinating to me upon rewatch
2: that that that's i love that scene too i think it, it gets it off to a great start and every time i see it i'm i'm as impressed by it uh and i you know the the scenes with the monster are uh, all of them are effective i think and and it is a pretty we learn as it goes on you know w- what it's doing although the whole story is you know the 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 daughter who when you're looking at this family, you get the feeling that that the daughter is the most promising of everybody in the family. So everyone in the family, the father, the, the aunt, the uncle, and the grandfather are, are just devastated to think that, you know, they may never, never see this girl again. And I think that that's kind of where the movie gets its heart is, um, the family is taken away. Everyone who was, was at that initial site is taken away because a rumor starts that that, This is where the the host comes in that this creature is is spreading a virus. So they want to keep everybody quarantined who was there and might have had contact. And it turns out that the father got a little blood on his face from from the monster. So they keep him under even, you know, even uh, tighter quarantine. But then at night, they think the daughter is gone. They saw her get swallowed by this monster. But it turns out the monster just sort of regurgitates and saves a lot of these people that he brought into his lair for later consumption. The girl finds a cell phone among the other uh, bodies there and calls her father in the hospital saying, I'm still alive. And that starts them trying to get away from the authorities and get out to save this girl. And that's where I think the movie has its has its heart. The father, um, as as Josh was saying, a great actor, you know he he's, he's he's kind of a sad sack. He's kind of a loser and his brother and sister never tire of telling him this even though you know you, you can make the argument that the the brothers an alcoholic and and you have that sort of dynamic going on that that these people who can't seem to even get along at times are now teaming up to go get this girl who they all are very much they you know they're all very close to her. Um, we get some scenes of the girl actually, you know, trying to keep away from the monster. She found this little sort of cubby hole in the lair that she hides in, hoping he'll forget about her. Uh, but mostly, you, you get this family doing what they can to to rescue this girl. And as with a lot of the great kaiju movies, it, this story is is fast. I mean, not fascinating, but it's it's engaging, and you really do care about these characters. Um. All of them, you know, every single one of them. And you want to see them pull this off. And at the same time, you they're trying to deal with this monster and being hunted by the authorities to be taken back to quarantine. They've got their faces all over the news. They posted rewards for their return. And I think that that's, that's where the movie gets its heart. But yeah. that the scenes for me with the monster are just as effective and I think that the two of those uh, those combined I mean this made my top 10 that year mm-hmm. and interestingly enough um I saw a video where Quentin Tarantino picked the 19 best films released since he'd been making movies in 1992 and he had the host as one of them mm. and I agree I think that this is uh this is like um a, almost a nine for me I'd give it a nine and I'd say definitely stream it on shutter like as soon as you can I really just Love the hell out of this movie.
1: Well, I just want to interject, guys, because uh, full confession that uh, one of the hosts of this show uh, neglected to see all of the host for the show. Now it came out in two thousand six, which is when my first son was born. So that's always my go-to excuse for why around that time I missed several key movies. This being one of them. Uh, but I started it, and you know, three young kids, life being what it is, got pulled away. But because I am a subscriber to Shudder, I will be finishing it. And you guys are 100% selling me on it. Not that you needed to, because I got through like the first 10, 15 minutes, which is when that scene you're referring to when the monster first comes shore, And I loved the way it was set up for just the whole dynamic. And one of the things that you hadn't mentioned uh, was I immediately noticed Scott Wilson, probably for a lot of people listening, maybe best known as Herschel from The Walking Dead, is in that opening scene where you get that setup of the environmental aspect of... of And I feel like almost it's ubiquitous in in kaiju films, right? You have to have some sort of environmental element to it to sort of create the scenario that leads to the giant monster killing everyone. So uh, I'm definitely on board, and while I won't give it a review... Or rating because you know I haven't seen the whole thing yet uh, I will be revisiting this and I do want to ask you because I know it says it's rated R is this like because my son being you know he's going to be 13 and I, he loves kaiju movies would you say it's a I mean is it light or is there reasons why it's R and I probably should just Uh
2: without going into spoilers it's got some very dark material as it okay. gets later in the film it's got a share of violence um, some language it earns uh, the R I I don't think it's a hard R. Okay. To be honest with, I wouldn't say it's it's a hard R. And and if you think your son could handle, you know, I, I don't even know what to compare it to as far as an an R rating would go. But it it doesn't have a ton of objectionable material in it. Okay. I don't remember there being a lot anyway. Okay. Yeah,
3: I would agree with Dave. I I let my kids watch this and they enjoyed it. They were like. You said this wasn't scary, I'm like well, <laughs> <it's> not <laughs> scary to me um the they thought it was pretty scary um i I would compare this to something like Super eight, you okay. know it's got some very intense right. emotional stuff's got some and actually, when Dave was talking about how the monster takes them back, you know for later consumption, I was like, oh yeah, that kind of reminds me of S- super eight as well, like it and uh, I wonder if Super Eight was influenced by this film basically is mm, what say. but um. <laughs> Yeah, I think if they could handle something like Super 8, they could probably handle the host. Okay. I, there, There is definitely language, and um, being that it's subtitled, you notice it a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> so it's kind of like... <laughs> right, right, Boom, up on screen, yeah. We're going to watch it, but with no subtitles. It's
1: going to be immersion. Yeah.
3: <laughs> 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 yeah. Depends on how touchy you are about the language. I, you know, um, I, I, I usually skate by on that, but then... Um, my internet froze right as some choice words were on the screen, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, all right, everyone, divert your eyes." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but it's it's fine. Yeah, I I love this movie. I I would agree with everything Dave said, and I think this is for me. This is in the eight point five range, and I would say stream it on Shutter. And honestly, this I do own this one as well. I think it's one worth purchasing. Yeah. If you if you ever or in the market for it if there's ever a better release of the film it would be one worth picking up you know the one i have is like the blockbuster dvd it's not it's not that great the shutter hd streaming version is better than the one i own so
1: yeah it looked really great when i like i said I, I didn't get through a lot of it but from what i saw it looks great so it's it's waiting there for me and i will finish it off myself so thank you so much for that guys
3: right, so check out the host and everything else that's currently Screaming online on Shudder. Try Shudder free for 30 days. Go to Shudder.com and use promo code HMP. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and use promo code HMP.
1: All right, that wraps up our Screaming Online segment. And before we sail off into the kaiju infested waters, we will listen to one more voice message from HMP listener, Armored Foe.
8: Hey guys, uh, this is Will, aka Armored Foe, and um, I tweeted you guys and was mentioning the whole difference of the Showa and the Heisei era of Godzilla, and uh, I know you guys wanted me to call in. I've been watching Godzilla films for a long time and been following that scene. Again, I mentioned the whole tokusatsu, which is basically anything live action from uh, Power Rangers or Super Sentai as they call it to all the obviously, you know, kaiju films from Godzilla, Gamera, Mothra, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, so I was just going to say that the Showa era is the early series, basically. So, you know, obviously it starts with the original, which is 54 Godzilla. But basically the Heisei series starts in 84, 85, and in a sense, just starts the whole origin of Godzilla over again. So it recognizes the original film. And then from there, just goes on its own and starts to bring uh, its own spin to the story. And it, again, it doesn't take into account any of the older films. The early films in the Showa era, so early Godzilla, and you get that more goofy man in a suit, you know, really, really goofy-looking Godzilla. I mean, still classic, but really goofy, definitely, obviously, low, low-budget and then when you get into the Haystack hey stuff, it's 84, 85, up into the 90s, and you can see the technology, the puppeteering and all that kind of stuff, guys, in the rubber suits, stuff, even then. Even though they were rubber suits, they got so much better. The special effects were so much better. The villains were so much better. Uh, one of my favorites being Destroyah, Um and obviously Geigen, you know, from Final Wars, and even the early Geigen. one of my favorites. He's just that weird, people call him the, like, metal chicken or whatever, you know. I'm no expert, so feel free to correct me whatever it may be. So what I remember, again, being following Godzilla for so long and all the films and stuff, always watching them and stuff as a kid. So yeah, just really good stuff. I uh, recently saw the new film, and here I'll give you my quick review, just a quick rundown. Uh, obviously, I thought it was great. I think if you're a Kaiju Godzilla fan, you'll love it. You'll you'll pick up on all the nods to the old classic films. I walked out of the theater extremely happy. I went in there to see giant monsters crash and destroy stuff, and that's what I got, and I loved it. King Ghidorah, all of the... All the the classics, I loved every second of it. So, you know, if I wanted to nitpick, uh sure, I could easily nitpick it, but I wasn't about to do that. I know this movie isn't going to win any Oscars or anything. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, I just want to see giant monsters destroy stuff, and that's what I got, and I loved every second of it. So um hope you guys are doing good. Take care. I'm working on some stickers for you guys, so hopefully they'll get printed up in time for you guys, and I'll be able to send you some or whatever it may be. Uh, We'll work something out. So, all right, guys, have a good one. I can't wait for this episode. Bye.
3: I want to give a shout-out to Armored Foe. He's designed two of our HMP t-shirts, and he also does some amazing stickers that you can find at his Etsy shop. And I I recommend all of our listeners check those out. They're really cool, and he has a lot of Godzilla designs. I don't know if he has any in um, stock right now, but they're worth checking out. He is at etsy.com slash shop slash armored foe. And I know he's got like a Mechagodzilla, I believe in there. A few Godzilla foes available in a shop right now as I'm looking. Is it
1: A-R-M-O-R-E-D-F-O-E? Yes. Oh, yep. There he is. Got it. He also has
3: Roy from Friday the 13th part (laughs) five. So you can get that. Um, but I really, really <laughs> love his Black Phillips stickers. We've given away, some away on the show before. They're super cool. Nice. And he also has an 8-bit Jason from the Friday the 13th Nintendo video game uh, sticker that's really awesome. So, wow.
1: Yeah, these are awesome. These are incredible.
3: Yeah, he does really great work. Oh,
1: I see Gigan. Oh, sweet. Nice. Skeletor. This is awesome, man. And I even think that the Roy hockey masked killer because i'm not going to say jason because it's not uh is is pretty cool looking too actually that's really but awesome. yeah
3: keep an eye out on his shop because if he does put his godzilla stickers back into circulation they are really great i i'm wondering now if we actually still have some of those we could give away for this episode but as i say that i remember that stuff's all packed up in boxes to move to washington dc and i'm in hawaii so <laughs> That's <laughs> not going to happen
1: anytime soon. I, and, and can I just interject? I, I just realized. So he's in my backyard, man. Oh, he's in yeah, he's that's in right. Tampa. I don't want yeah, to. You guys need to hook up. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Armored foe is nice. a good guy. I'll take yeah. you out to coffee, man. Let me know. That's cool.
2: There you go. All
1: right, so this wraps up our Godzilla overview episode, and uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, before we wrap things up completely, can I make a quick? has nothing to do with godzilla mention though it is horror related so i am staying in the the realm of on topic (laughs) so i just wanted to say to all the fred heads out there and you know who you are all right (laughs) i was at a collectible store nearby where i live little small cool little collectible shop had tons of stuff i actually next time i'll take a bunch of pictures had a bunch of horror stuff that you guys would have loved um and they had a pretty sizable record collection. And whenever I see a record collection, I'm not, you know, these people that, you know, I I have to get like all the vinyl I see, nothing like that. But, you know, I always want to go through because you never know. You never know when you're going to find a horror soundtrack, you know, on, in the album. Because to me, that just would be amazing. And I hit these vintage malls, do the same thing, just kind of go through. And in fact, a good friend of mine, uh, Tyson, I believe for a buck, found still in plastic, The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing, which I think typically goes for a couple hundred bucks if you put it online, just saying. So keep an eye out, people. That's definitely one you want to pick up. But I'm going through, going through, and if Josh wants to include in the show notes a picture, if he can, I came across a album of Dawkins for Dream Warriors. They're cover of the theme song from Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and it's nice. yeah it is yeah, it, I, awesome. I was going through and I just thought I was like oh this is awesome and it's cool because it's a full-sized album but it's pretty much a single so it's it's a, one side is just that one song and on the other side they have a couple other docking songs they were obviously you know trying to pimp at the time but uh, it, it's cool because it's just that Dream Warriors classic poster where the claws extended out and you can see them all walking along the edges of the blades and Freddy in the background and uh, I don't know how many of the listeners of the show know this but I am a massive Nightmare on Elm Street fan uh, along with listener and a contributor Kagan uh, and I'm sure many of you out there uh, and I know you guys have already done your franchise review of Nightmare on Elm Street and probably convincing you to do it uh, a do-over for me is not going to happen. But that being said, if I'm not mistaken, I believe this is the 35th anniversary of Nightmare on Elm Street. So I I, I will say Hmm. that who knows... Maybe, that sounds irrelevant that that sounds like <laughs> maybe at some point one of the hosts here who is a fan of the sh- of those particular movies and i don't know somebody who maybe contributes music who's been on the show should i don't know have like a segment or something you throw us a bone
2: for all right all right we'll we'll, we'll do something okay we'll do just something. if, if uh, you know what hey yeah if you and you and Kagan want to come up with something go for it i'm not sitting through them all the <laughs>
1: I just had to them all. I'm just saying a you know, general talk, and mainly about the first one because it's the 35th anniversary. Come on, it's
2: Freddy. Oh yeah, well the first ones, a, the first ones, a classic, and I love Dream Warriors. Yes, so.
1: yes, Freddy. i love, I love to revisit. It. Is great, and I wish I had been here to balance
3: out. <laughs> we we tried, we tried to get a Freddy fan for every episode, but
1: yep. hey, I existed. Was I on. was in
3: the world at that point. I'm just saying,
1: yeah. okay. You could have called, Joel. You never call, you never write. That's true, that's a good point. All right, so on that note, then, gents, do you want to, Wolfman, tell the people where they can find you online, lambasting Nightmare on Elm Street films?
3: No, no, I, I never talk about Nightmare on Elm Street anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I walked
1: right into that one. That's fair.
3: One thing I'll do is I want to recommend a couple of other Bong Joon-ho films and Song Ka Hong, Saw Kang-ho films uh, that are not horror, because they're so good, and so that's one thing I'm going to take a couple seconds here Um, if you are a fan of The Host if you are a fan of Thirst uh, these are films I want you to absolutely check out, so um, Bong Joon-ho, he directed two awesome, let's call them mystery drama thrillers in that order, both of them and uh, they are called Memories of Murder and Mother Um, And Memories of Murder features Song Kang-ho in the lead. And those films are two of the best movies ever made, in my opinion. Memories of Murder is clearly one of the best films ever made. Mother is a little more low-key, but I think it is equally as strong. It's one that I absolutely love, and I recommend everyone check out if you like a mystery drama thriller. Um, Song Kang-ho, two of the films I'd like to recommend for him that are not horror films are The Attorney from 2013 and one last year. This is just a feel-good drama, or from 2017 originally, but last year in the United States, A Taxi Driver. It's a must-see film featuring Song Kang-ho. It's so good. And so if you're in the mood for something lighter after finishing your heavy horror stuff, check out A Taxi Driver. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd at Icarus Arts. And I would love to come back with a Monsters cast really soon talking about uh, these Monsters vs. movies, but I think we'll at least wait until a couple more of them come out. We need to cover The Mummy next. And to do that, we're going to need Liz, the Bride, we're going to need Kagan, and we're going to need to carve out some time to do it. Guys, I think we got to do it soon. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about these Brendan Fraser mummies
1: especially the Scorpion King spin-off. Yes. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, Wolfman Doc. where can they find you?
2: DVDinfatuation.com. I'm on Twitter at DVD infatuation. also on Facebook and uh, over at letterboxd and other podcasts. Uh, I'm looking forward to when the when the Gods of monsters, the uh, universal monster cast comes back and uh, I would love to talk about the Brendan Fraser Mummy movies. Also, the uh, We Beal in Lead, uh, talking with uh, Matt about bringing that one back soon. And the Land of the Creeps uh, with Greg Amortis, Haddonfield Hatchet. Bill, who we heard a voicemail from today, is uh, has become a regular over there as well. Um, and you can find that at www.landofthecreeps.blogspot.com.
1: All right, well, when I am not perusing Vintage shops and collectible stores for horror soundtracks on vinyl. Uh, I am jamming out to Dokken in my car, full blast, because I'm that guy. Believe it. So (laughs) I can also be found at uh, RetroMovieGeek.com, where yours truly and a couple of schlubs make unbelievable music yeah music yeah music together that's what it is and uh, you can check us out every week over there where we review movies that are 20 years old or older and uh, talk a lot about C&D because we all have it. It's an affliction that affects us all. And I can also be found on Universal Monsters Cast. It will come back. We're not just saying that. It's going to happen. So yes, you could find me in those places as well. And remember, we love reading and responding to your comments. So we hope you'll get involved in the Horror Movie Podcast community. It is truly a great group of people. You can leave a comment in the show notes for this episode at Horror Movie Podcast where you can find this and all of the 175 of our past episodes. You can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at HorrorMovieCast. If you'd like to support Horror Movie Podcast, try Shudder free for 30 days. Just go to Shudder.com and use the promo code HMP when signing up. Please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. You can get your listener-designed HMP t-shirts at teespring.com stores horror movie cast. We want to thank singer-songwriter Fred Ingram for the use of his music for the Horror Movie Podcast theme song. You can find more of Fred's music at frederickingram.com. We also want to thank composer Kagan Breitenbach for his arrangement and orchestration of Fred's original theme, which opens the show. You can find more of Kagan's work at kaganbreitenbach.com. And that's it for this episode. We hope you'll join us again for our next episode when we're having a Frankensteinian episode. Do you uh, want to add anything to that? Is
3: no, it... but Mandale of the Dead, if you're out there, it's happening. I am going
1: to review the movie. Oh, boy. Thank you for joining us for Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. Clearly.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right.
3: man josh what
1: <laughs> was that a was that a that was a howl? really
3: bad godzilla wow howl. i thought it was a
1: Wolfman howl i thought you
3: were like an inner there
2: you go i thought maybe the moon yeah. had just come hey, out hey, yeah so a-
3: <laughs> secretly i'm gonna put in uh, oh gotcha godzilla's oh, okay. Howl okay. and post it's a it's a it's a
1: placeholder thank yeah. god <laughs> <laughs> okay okay
2: I'd say Invasion of Astro Monster in 65 and I did enjoy Destroy All Monsters in 1968. Is, it, and and is that the one it, is that the one with
1: Minilla? The little one, the little guy. The
2: Ah uh, no, no. That was that's I think that's All Monsters Attack. That was 69. Okay, okay. Yeah. That was that was this is Destroy All Monsters gotcha. where they do have Monster Island that's where they're right. all on Monster that's Island right. and then okay. they yeah. somehow get off of Monster Island thanks to this well this alien race. I'm sure my son I is going to listen to that.
1: this episode and I have I have profoundly disappointed him by thinking that was <laughs> 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 my big gripe with any and I know we're not gonna turn this into especially since we could easily go to the '98 uh, Godzilla movie which maybe we will later um, but Emmerich and Devlin All of their movies to me are usually 30 minutes too long. (laughs) I mean, all of them across the board. And I think in Independence Day definitely fell into that for me.
2: You weren't moved by that speech. I love that speech. Oh, the
1: St. Crispian's
2: Day. <laughs> the president's <laughs> speech. That This yeah. is our Independence Day. Yes, it's a great speech. Come on, that was awesome.
1: I you, that is a great moment. I didn't say there were great moments in it, but I'm just saying that overall,
3: you, how about this? That made Will Smith a star. Like what? who's going to walk away from this movie with a star turn like Will Smith had in that movie? Yeah,
1: you think, bad boys i think made him a star i think he was already kind of a star
3: he was well known but i remember when he was in this movie people are like wait who? will smith is in this alien movie it was a big deal at the time the way nope. it was casting robert downey jr's iron man nope. people were like really him that's that's a strange choice
1: bad boys was 95. I'm bad boys you're yeah. right
3: yeah bad boys was out first okay. i don't know if you guys can hear the helicopter flying over
1: I, I heard a noise,
3: yeah, but I, I didn't know what it was. It,
2: real briefly, I could hear it, yeah.
3: There's a helicopter flying over me right now. Okay, it, it is literally TC's chopper from Magnum PS, <laughs> <laughs> wow, so you know. Nice, nice, that's awesome. It's, it, <laughs> it, 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 it's it's in residence at Turtle Bay Resort, which is near me, and they they give rides in it. And if if, if the first time I saw it, I almost passed out, but now it flies over like once an hour. So <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm. Uh, awesome. i'm getting I'm starting to get annoyed by it at this point. <laughs> one of the things that was uh, on the downside for me of this film was that it was shot in Hawaii, but you can't tell at all. I was I, being in Hawaii when I watched it. I was so excited. I'd had the same experience with the first one. I actually saw the first one, or sorry, the first one, the 2014 film in Seattle, um, right on the water. But I was very. We went to Hawaii very soon after, and there's that great scene where. Uh, Godzilla comes out of the water at the rainbow tower where you were staying at that hotel. Oh, that's cool. And uh, it was just a, a super cool experience. Then And I was very much looking forward to being here and going and seeing all the places that Millie Bobby Brown was walking around in this movie. But uh, you can't really tell at all that it was shot here. <laughs> There's yeah, no it's very dark. <laughs> it, and it's all CGI, yeah, really yeah. like it's 99% CGI or like in a, helicopter or in a sure. control room or something you sure. know so that was a that was a disappointment Adam Wingard is he's doing the next mm-hmm. film Godzilla versus Kong mm-hmm. which has already been shot and is in post production so that's exciting that's going to be coming to us next year i believe I think it was yeah
1: 2020 that sounds right
3: yeah and and i and I, again they got a horror director, which I think is great, and I'm glad that they are going this direction. Um, like Mike Doherty, I think you know, he is a director who is a little bit hit or miss for some people. Uh, you know, I happen to love Mike Doherty, and I like Adam Wingard. Adam Wingard's one of those guys where you just love him as a guy, and I'm rooting for him. But m- if I'm honest, most of his films haven't been like home runs for me. Of course, I do like uh, You're Next, but... You know, Blur Witch and The Guest, those are both films I kind of have defended, but I, you know, they're films that people don't roundly love. So I'm very curious to see what he's going to do with the next one in the series. For sure.
1: And I can also be found on Universal Monsters cast. It will come back. We're not just saying that, it's going to happen, right, Josh? I mean, what do we
3: need to do? Uh, I show up. <laughs> Do we need to make a blood oath here, right here and now? I think
1: we actually probably have to set a date and a time and just do it.
3: Oh, yeah. That probably actually is more effective than the blood oath. (laughs)
4: Yeah,
1: I know. My wife is much better at time management than I am, so I just follow her lead. And apparently that's the way you do it. You actually pick a time, set a date, (laughs) and you do it.
3: Well, I don't know if this will be appealing to the HMP audience, but if we can keep these HMP shows to like an hour and a half, we could record... Ah. half a universal monsters cast on the tail end of these recordings we could could.
1: yeah we could although this one was two and a half hours long and while shorter than most (laughs) we still have a well long ways to go to keep it an hour
3: and a half we're on our way to time good time management okay so maybe we're getting there once you cut this
1: one down it might be closer to two so that's cool yeah
3: all right we want to thank
1: singer songwriter fred ingram for the use of his music for the horror movie podcast theme song you can find more Fred's music at Fredericking. Wow, I'm <laughs> Fredericking God Almighty. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I having such a hard time saying this man's name? <clears throat> I've been there. Yeah, at Fredericking God. Can we just call him Fred?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Let me change his website, like, please. We,
1: for, hey, Frederick, I just got a question for you, buddy. Could we just change your website just for because I'm I, I'm incapable of speaking. <clears throat> At Frederick Ingram. Holy God almighty. Man, it's not even that late. This is usually when we start. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right. You can find more of the, of the Fred's. I feel like I'm doing it on purpose now and I'm not, I'm honest to God. Not. <laughs> you can find more of Fred's music at Frederick Ingram. I feel like I'm saying it wrong too. Is that wrong or is well, that right? That one you, I, you could have passed. I could have. One. Okay. Yeah. It's like I'm, I'm yeah. slurring wrote, it. Fred's, okay. You can find more of Fred's music. (laughs) I'm going to start. Okay. Damn it. This is not good. Hold on. Dave's like, like, dude, I got to leave in 13 minutes and we were almost there. Don't screw this up.
2: No, no. Don't worry about it. I I can hear you. I can listen to you do this for 13 more minutes. Okay. It's completely.
1: Thanks. All right. You can find more of Fred's music at Frederick ring. Holy Jesus Christ. Oh. oh, this is not good, people. I don't know what's happening to my freaking... eye. <laughs> the rain falls mainly on the plane.
4: It puts the lotion oh, man.
1: in the basket.
4: Mm. All
1: right. <clears throat> you can find more of Fred's music at Frederick Ingram. You had it. I, it feels like I'm saying it too fast. <sighs> So don't okay. do Frederick Ingram Frederick, if you got to do it like okay, slow. Yeah, sure, true, 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 true. Good point, good point, good point. Frederick. Yeah, now I'm like just psyching myself out. You can find more of Fred's music at Frederick. Re- <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be shitting me. What is happening right now? This is insane. Okay. You can find more of Fred's music at Frederick Ingram.com. We also want to thank composer Kagan Breitenbach for his arrangement and orchestration of Fred's original theme, which opens the show. You can find more of Kagan's work at KaganBreitenbach.com. And that's it for this (laughs) episode. Hey. (laughs) Sorry, I almost ruined Frederick, so at least I didn't do that. Hey, 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 hey. (laughs) And at least, Kagan, you could keep your domain name, buddy. I'm good with it. Okay,
2: <laughs> Josh, that, that has to be the end That's of the. That's the best outtake I've ever heard. Dude. <laughs> that, has that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. that has to be the end. Yeah, God,
1: that has to be. That's classic. Oh, that God, is awesome. I'm, dude, that was not. That was not a. That was not a put no, on. No,
2: I, I know you were not doing that on purpose. But I've been there myself, where you just, you just can't, can't get, get
1: it. it sometimes. Frederick Ingram, Frederick, Frederick. now I can say Frederick, Frederick Ingram. But for some reason, in that moment, it was just coming. Out. <laughs> Felt like I had. <laughs> <laughs> that was insane. Amazing.